0: Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, October 10th. I almost forgot what month it was. It's October. We are here live. It's time for the Power Hour. We've got the team here from Pittsburgh Power. Well, I think I do. Yep. Looks like they're all there. We'll hear from them and then we'll get to your calls and questions. Phone lines are open right now. Jump in and join us anything goes as long as it's maintenance related if you have questions about engines performance fuel mileage modifications upgrades troubleshooting emissions electronics vibrations if we have to do it we'll tackle it all you have to do is pick up the phone and join us 855-950-3835 we'll be here for the next three hours or until we run out of questions so it's up to you pick up the phone and join us Um, we're going to jump right in and get to it. Bruce, it looks like you're first up on the board today. You were called in kind of early today. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on. We got something weird going on again. Uh, let me figure that. Oh, I know what happened. I'll figure it out. I had a weird equipment issue I had to fix. And then I, now I have to fix something else, but I think I got this. So hold on see if technology wants to uh cooperate try it now uh hold on now we have bruce bruce are you there i am there we go all right i got it figured out i had a weird power supply issue this morning my audio board kept shutting down i had to get a different power supply i think i've got it what's
1: uh what's on your mind this morning that's because you're Your neighbors all bought electric cars, and they're charging them, so you don't have enough electricity. You could be right. Yeah. I just read where they put up 98 Tesla charging stations somewhere in California. I forget the town. And it's diesel-powered, all 98
0: You know, is it really Um, diesel powered or is it just a backup, like a backup generator? It seems really odd that they would do that. I I think I saw something like that, too, and I didn't, didn't read the details, but that just seems
1: too bizarre. Right. Okay. The other thing, I had a call yesterday, a guy down in McAllen, Texas. I didn't realize how close that was to the Mexican border until I Googled it, and he needs help with a Big Cam 350, same 840 CPL, same one that I had in my camera. He said his truck won't go 70 miles an hour. I said, well, how many pounds of boost do you have? He said, six. Oh. Six. Uh, I said, what's your RPM? He said, 1300. I said, well, you can't be at 1300 on mechanical big cam. You have to be 1700 and up. Right. So he had a 13 speed. I had him drop it down a half the gear, bring it up, and he held his foot to the floor, and he did just touch 15 pounds of boost. And, and uh, he bought this truck. It sat for several months and. Now he's put it to work, but that's what happens. If you buy a used truck and you don't take it to a good mechanic and have them thoroughly go over this truck, because he said, well, do you have anyone down here that can help me? And fortunately I called our dealer in San Antonio. He gave me the name and phone number of a guy in McCallum, Texas, so we'll have to see how that turned out. What's the but,
0: what's the gear ratio uh, on this? So if if he was only at 1300
1: 370, and, 370. Really, Three seventies with twenty four five tall. Okay, so boy, that's. He couldn't get seventy. He couldn't get the seventy. Oh, so three seventy gears. 370 with tall rubber is equivalent to about a 336 in that truck. But he doesn't have enough power to get it there. And he said, well, the engine was supposedly just rebuilt. I said, well, get the spec sheets and the part of everything that was done and who did the pumping injectors and call me back with it. And I haven't heard from him yet. But hey, you know, did, That's basically, I, go ahead.
0: I don't want to be too simple, but I want to make sure somebody didn't overlook the obvious. A clogged fuel filter will do that.
1: Well, he changed that. Okay. And then Just I checked. said, have, have you looked at the fuel lines? Do they look like they're original or do they look old and frayed? Because the older engines depend on a lot of yeah. fuel flow because they return a lot. And I said, we need to get a restriction gauge on there. We need to get a fuel pressure gauge on there. And we need, we need to get us a fuel pump. But what do you do when you're loaded and you're in McCallum, Texas? Right. Yeah. All right. What else you got? And, uh, well, I just want to talk about when you when you buy a used truck instead of just putting it to work. Please get it to a, a good shop. Uh, I realize everyone can't get into our place, and you, and now that we're booked about two and a half, three weeks. You can get in within two days into the electrical shop, but not into the mechanical shop. But you got to get these trucks looked at, get them on a dyno, make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do so you can avoid a lot of these problems.
0: Bruce, let me add to that. Um, If you're not really mechanical, you should do that before you buy the truck, not after. You know if you if you're good enough to look over a truck and know that there isn't something major hiding there, you take it for a drive, there's nothing major. Um, I'm okay there. Uh, you know if you're if you're mechanical enough, you can look over most stuff, figure it out. But if you're not,
1: you should do that before you buy the truck. And I've I've we've had Go ahead. Some used truck dealers, maybe even new truck dealers, right on the PA Ohio line. And people wanted to bring the truck over so we could dine it and check it out. And they won't not allow them.
0: So two things about that. Um, a lot of t- If a dealer won't let me do that, I'm going to find another dealer. Really, that's crazy. I, there's no reason you're, you're allowed to let me take it for a test drive. This is just a long test drive, and I'm going to stop and have it looked at. What's the problem with that? What are you worried about? That would be my first answer. Second, though, I've helped people hire a local independent mechanic to go over to the yard and do it wherever it's sitting. And I know you can't put it on the dyno and that other stuff, but there's a lot of drivers today that aren't very mechanical. And that's different from, you know, way back when almost everybody that had a truck knew the basics. Now, Bruce, you've had calls from people who don't know what engine they have in their truck. Yeah, so you start, you say, what color is it? Right, (laughs) exactly. At that point, (laughs) that person needs somebody mechanically inclined to look at that truck before they buy it.
1: Real quick story, during one of the Dallas truck shows, two of my clients that have been clients for probably 35 years, and they have the big belt cowboy hats on and, and the cowboy boots, and they're standing there, and a guy walks up to me and, We had our Cummins-Cat and Detroit's engine there, and he's standing over the ISX, and he said, is this the engine in my truck? And in the meantime, I'm talking to the two Texans, and I said, well, I don't know. What engine do you have? He said, well, I'm not sure. I said, what color is it? Well, I think it's red. You should have seen the eyes rolling. (laughs) And they, they were... (laughs) <laughs> They're the guys, they do all the work on their own You're truck. Right. We just supply parts, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the the poor fellow that didn't know what engine he had, he, he couldn't see their eyes. And the more he talked, the more their eyes rolled.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's even scarier. He's not sure
1: what color it is. Yeah. Yeah. Years ago a guy called me back in the days of the big games and he said I've got one of the high-performance big camps. I said, is that right? I said, did we build it? Oh, no, no. This is high-performance from the factory. I said, okay. How do you know that? Because right. it's painted red. <laughs> he said, only the red ones are performance. The beige ones are stock. I said, do you by any chance drive an international? He said, how did you know? I said, I just took a guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh... So... You know, Bruce, I, uh, if, if I had to pick, I've been working on my course on how to be an owner-operator. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do a live coaching program coming up soon. So I've been working on the material, and, and I got thinking about what are the most important things required to be successful in this business? And I really have come to the conclusion that the first thing is just mindset, how people think. Um, I could do a whole show about that, but I really think that is the most important thing. I can take people with zero experience in this industry. They know nothing about the truck and we can start to educate them and they can be really successful if they have the right mindset. On the other hand, I can take a guy who's been driving for 40 years and he's an excellent driver, may even know a lot about the truck, but if he's got the wrong mindset, he's going to struggle in business. Then the second most important thing I would have to say is just the truck itself. Having the right truck for what you're doing and, and, you know, making it as efficient as possible. If you get those two things right, everything else seems pretty easy.
1: On the mind, you have to have the positive mental attitude. And that goes for everything in life. Right, right. Especially whenever you're doing exotic snowmobiling and skiing you better have positive mental attitude. (laughs) So I just got a text text message from my keynote speaker for the owner-operative snowmobile conference, and he's a concrete guy, and he does excavating, and he has trucks, and he was raised on a ranch in Colorado, lives in Kremlin, Colorado, so he's nine miles from me. And do you remember several years ago in Granby when a guy was mad because there was a concrete plant going yeah. up? Yeah. And <laughs> he took a bulldozer and made it bulletproof and right. he was destroying the town? Uh huh. I remember. Well, the guy that he was going after was Joe Dochev, who was my really good friend, who's a great really? guy. He's going to be the speaker at the snowmobile conference. Excellent. Love that. Yeah. So, and that's February 21st. We meet at Grand Lake at the Gateway Inn, and if you want to go there, you call Darcy and reserve your room. We ride on the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, and we leave on Sunday the 25th. And there's snowmobile rentals. And, well, we've talked about Grand Lake, but for anybody that's new that hasn't heard, it's a wonderful little town. It's snowmobile friendly, and they love snowmobiles. They don't even plow the streets. They let us run the snow down so that the bites don't hit the concrete or the asphalt. So it's the Gateway Inn in Grand Lake, Colorado. Beautiful place. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's what
0: I have. All right. Let's uh let's hear from the Dynamic Duo. Leroy and Pete. Good morning. Good, good morning, morning, Kevin. How are you, are you today? You guys wear capes to work, don't you? You Sometimes. should. I yeah, wear flannel. You, well, a flannel cape. <laughs> yeah, There you go. What's uh what's new and exciting this week?
2: Well, we have the, just a reminder, the um, California Truck Show, the 14th and 15th, will be there. Uh, booth 321, So, anyone that's going to be in the area want to stop the show, we'll be there. Um, Dr. Jane will be there as well. And Britt uh, Bill, her partner. So if you have any Maximilian questions, uh, they can help you with that. And then Bill uh, Feldman uh, from here is going to be there as well. So we will have the show covered. I was hoping
0: to swing um, by at
2: affordable. least... Uh, jobs full, and we're about three weeks out. Um, a couple jobs are still some leftovers, some big cams waiting for parts. It just pushes everything back. You schedule a guy in for a week, and then you can't get a part, and now the part comes in, and, and the schedule is full. So you're kind of jumping between jobs to try to get them done. you have got a couple um, got an ISX in for an in frame, finishing up an ISX front structure, overhead damper, DPF cleaning. I've got another ISX getting a DPF cleaning and overhead damper OPS. So I get some nice jobs in the shop, and the shop's been busy. It just, just can't keep up. Well, that's that's good. I like to see that. Um, far, more tech get more work done. I just can't find the techs out
0: there. Yeah, I want to come back that to the su- supply chain. Um, right, I was going to try to. I really wanted to swing by the California Truck Show and at least say. Hi to Bill and Dr. Jane and maybe see a little bit oh. of the show. We're all registered for it, but there's no way I'm going to make it now. My coach isn't coming out of the shop till Friday. Welcome back to the Dynamic Duo Hour. Yeah, I hope. Is anybody hearing me? Hello? I am. Oh, okay. We you want to talk about? I can hear you.
1: I think, I think, you? I
0: think there's a Your conflict concept. between you and Pete. Hunker hunk of one out back. It sounds yeah. like Leroy and Pete cannot hear us.
2: Okay. Problem is, to replace that truck would be terribly expensive because of what it is. Hey, the Tanker.
3: Hey, hey Pete. Mm. He's Pete. Oh, I that. Yeah.
2: A fan of good maple Why? syrup.
3: I got this one up in Warren a couple of years ago. There was like a small farm that made it. Like, we, you could go to their farm. Like, they had a thing in the fall. You could go there hey, and uh, you could see uh, how Bruce, they made it. Um, like, I am gonna, it. Yeah.
0: I'm going to mute these guys because. I can hear them and they're talking to each other, but they're not hearing any of us. And and that just happened because obviously Pete was hearing me a second ago. And I'm Lisa's saying on the app that she can hear you and I, but she can't hear them. Um, somebody I'm sending a message now. Somebody needs to let them know that we're not hearing them. It's probably something on their audio board. I will text I will just. Um, oh, there's Pete's Message text right texting now. now. Um, okay, there we go. So I've got them muted until we can uh, we can figure that out. It, it was weird because I was talking to Pete <laughs> there for a couple sentences. He was responding to me, and then I started to say something about the show, and he just kept talking. And I had a feeling he wasn't hearing me. I, I heard
1: that. And he wouldn't do that because he's a very exactly.
0: polite person. Exactly. So I knew something something was wrong. I could tell he wasn't hearing me. Uh, so we'll, we're working on that right now. Phone lines are open. Go ahead and jump in and join us because we're going to get to calls here in just a couple minutes, even when we get them back. I think we're going to go to calls pretty quick. So 855 855- Nine five zero three eight three five. One of the things I wanted to talk to Pete about. I don't know if you would know this or not. Um, I've been talking a lot about the economy right now and all the things that could potentially go wrong. And there's a lot that could go wrong right now. Um, I did not see this latest thing coming, and it's pretty darn big. Um, I'm wondering if there's anything in like the supply. The trucking supply chain, any, anything kind of major that comes out of Israel, because that country is going to be shut down as far as shipping goes. I think FedEx and UPS have already stopped flights.
1: But I don't. I, I'm not aware I don't, of anything. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that. I don't know. Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, our supply chain's already a mess. Anything like this just
1: makes it worse. And that's the Um, least of the problems that could come to the point where I'm not even putting on Fox News anymore because I'm tired of hearing about wars and fighting. And um, when Trump was president, we heard about business expansion and how many jobs were added and how great everything was. And now all we're hearing is fighting and everybody blowing everybody up. I'm, I'm just. I'm done with it. I don't want to be part of it. I don't
0: want to hear about it. So, Bruce, Mm -hmm. a couple months ago, I said I was taking a break from the news, and I've continued that break until yesterday, actually. I mean, I have paid almost no attention to the news. Look at the big stuff just to make sure the world isn't ending. But other than that, I've been ignoring it, and I'm much happier. You're right. Mm -hmm. The news has been awful Um, I try to stay on top of just enough so I know what might be happening in the economy, and that's why I had to pay attention to this. I didn't (laughs) see this coming. This this could kind of be a big deal. This is not good news in a lot of ways. The supply chain may be the least of the problems with this one. We're going to get sucked into this war.
1: Well, we just already gave Israel eight billion dollars. I, mean. I read. It's
0: it, it, it and yeah. the eight billion dollars. The money's bad. But I think we're going to end up with U.S. boots on the ground in this one, and it's going to be against Iran, and that's just that's um, not good.
1: News. Uh, you know, if a politician wants to go to war, he should go to war, and his children should go to war, and his grandchildren should go to war. If a politician won't put his family in harm's way, he shouldn't put other people's family in harm's way. If you, Here's, if you want to fight or shoot it, do it from the air, but don't do it on the ground. Don't put other people's children in there. I,
0: I agree. Here's the problem I see this time. So... This is a war between Israel and Palestine, but Palestine and Hamas are backed by Iran. So this could really be a war with Iran. The problem is our government and and the people of this country are split on this one. The right, for the most part, the right supports Israel, but the left supports Palestine in this. This is a mess. Hmm. Yeah. So I don't wanna I don't wanna spend a lot of time on that, but I did wanna to talk to Pete just a little bit if we can expect any other supply chain challenges and I, I am gonna keep an eye on this. Uh let's see they see if we can get them now. Pete, are you there? I'm back, Kevin. Can you hear back. us? Well obviously you can hear me. You just responded to me. So we must have it figured, figured out.
2: Yeah. yeah. We're
0: back. We're live. Yeah, so I was saying the first time I realized you weren't hearing me, I started to respond to you about the truck show that I wanted to stop in and at least say hi to Bill and Dr. Jane and maybe hang out for a while. But my coach isn't coming out of the shop till Friday, so I'm not going to have time to head down that way. I'm going to have to head straight to Nashville by the time I hit the road. Um, the other thing I was wondering, um, just with everything that just happened in Israel over the weekend, is there any suppliers that kind of supply the trucking industry out of Israel? Cause I think shipping's already shutting down over there. I don't think nothing that I'm aware of. I couldn't think of anything. Uh, I know FedEx Those and could. UPS have already stopped flights. So um, somewhere along the lines, this is going to be one more disruption to the supply chain.
2: For sure. And then of course, fuel prices are going to go up. Right. Anytime there's anything going on, fuel prices go up and they're already getting high. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a Middle East
0: issue. Oh, so it's definitely going to affect fuel prices. Right. Yeah. Make matters. I, I um, you know, I have a bingo card of all the, the catastrophes. I think that could happen to our economy. And that one was not on there. That one came out of nowhere. I don't think any that, and yeah, no one saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> Even Israel. I mean, I, what the hell happened? Right. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but. Uh, the, all I've been hearing out of Israel for the last couple of months is how secure their Iron Dome is, and for some reason it was down. There's something weird about the whole thing, but uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Let's go back to uh, you and Leroy.
2: So that was it for me, just the, what's going on in the shop. And like I said, the shop's busy. We need more
1: techs, and they're just hard to find. Yeah. yeah, anybody that knows a mechanic that would like to live in Western Pennsylvania, we we have a lot of advantages on the country where we are, and dirt bike riding, motorcycling, and snow skiing, and kayaking, um, fishing, fishing. And low cost, low cost of living. I was, uh, if somebody wants to relocate here, I was just about mechanics. to
0: say, Bruce, the in this environment with rampant inflation and people struggling with just the cost of living. That area might be one of the the most affordable cost of living areas in the country. Housing is really <laughs> inexpensive compared to every everywhere else.
1: And you can buy a decent home in the two hundred thousand range.
0: Yes, r- really
1: nice. Am I correct know. with that, Pete Leroy? I haven't bought a house for a long time there, so
2: uh, I mean, I mean, depends on. So if you're out my way, you could get something that you could move in for one fifty. You know, a small three-bedroom, maybe a house built in the 60s. Um, as you get closer to Cranberry, Mars, that area, of course, it's going to go off. Is. Is high. Yeah, high.
3: if you strong. want
2: to stay, and I'm only 24 miles from work, so it's not like it's a horrible commute. And the housing is very affordable. Small school districts, so if you have kids and you want them to go to a smaller school, um, there's small school districts. So there's not 800 kids in a class or anything like that.
1: Yeah. Definitely I mean, not Sach- Sach- living in Saxonburg. I know we have $200,000 homes and that's five minutes from the shop. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And just the, a $200,000 house where you are Bruce and I'm not talking about in Portland or anywhere near Portland. I'm talking about where I am kind of out in the country. Um, That $200,000 house, I'm not exaggerating is 500,000 here. It's insane. What's happened with prices here.
1: Why our labor rate is probably the lowest in the country too.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just a, you know, that whole area. We had the house over in Salem, which really isn't that far from you. I mean, it'd be too far to commute, but you know? it's the same right. type of area. And what it, it wasn't that long ago, we sold a house that was three thousand square feet with five bedrooms and a big lot, a, a big lot, and we got like a hundred eighty thousand for it. Wow yeah yeah that was over you in St. There. You, put a big garage. you can have a big garage on that lot oh oh yeah you could have had a you could have put a barn on the <laughs> lot it was so big.
1: I am recently seeing some designs come out for homes. They're calling them barn homes and garage homes. And we talked about this years ago. If you're single and you own a, a truck and you don't have a home or a shop, build a shop with living quarters in it and situate it so you can add a home. You know and what the they're calling client those? Did the fish. There's what? a name for those, barn dominiums. Yeah I, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And it, and the two I just recently looked at uh, were beautiful. Yes, they are. I uh, did respond, I'd like to see the floor plan inside, but the outside was gorgeous, and you could design your own floor plan inside. We talked about... the have shop. We've talked about moving yeah.
0: the warehouse here to this property, possibly in the future, because we have room for it and be kind of cool to have everything in one place. and. <laughs> Um, it would keep our costs down, which is always good. Uh, if we were to build something on here, it would be a barn dominium. It would be warehouse space. But while you're building it, putting in living quarters um, is a lot less expensive than trying to build something from scratch. That's right. Sure. And the floor plans are sure. its just a big, wide-open space. You can do just about whatever you want with them.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: they're kind of cool. You know, when you stop and think about it... Um, um, how many rooms do you really need? I mean, I live in a living room, a kitchen, a bedroom, and an office, plus a garage. Right. So the the garages to me are the most important part of the of the house. That's correct. I, someday I'm going to outgrow that though. You know, as I'm getting <laughs> older, I'm going to think that the garage isn't as important. That might happen. That might happen. It's a, It's a sanctuary. I met a guy and he's not in trucking, but he had a large garage and we talked about it being a sanctuary and where you go to be yourself and to enjoy what you have and what you've built. Mm -hmm. uh, Yep. I know. I know the
0: feeling. Uh, Leroy, are you sleeping back there? Uh oh! What? No, i <laughs> <laughs> What's on your mind this week?
3: Um, so we got a couple of things. Um, some interesting tunes coming in. Um, talked to a guy this morning that Bruce uh, gave me. He were tuning his Volvo D13, 2020, remotely. Um, at one of our good remote tuners, uh, Big Shop Diesel Services in Venus, Texas. They have a uh, a pretty big shop there. They got a dyno. And he's pretty close to that area. So he's going to go over there and we're going to do a remote tune on his Volvo D13. So hmm. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, we might actually do that. Um, still trying to get the Volvo thing kind of going. We've done a few of them, uh, maybe a dozen of them or so. But uh, yeah, just doing them as they come. All so right. that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, in the same vein, um, another thing we're always trying to improve on is our, our DD tuning. Um, It's a popular engine. I like the engine. And I also feel like in some ways, it's a little bit of an underdog. Uh, Not a lot of industry sort of like aftermarket performance for it. I mean, there's no like aftermarket turbos or manifolds or anything like that. It just doesn't get the same love as some of the other engines, uh, I feel like sometimes. But uh, got a guy coming in maybe end of this week, next week for a tune on it. And we want to do some special things. Um, We want to try to modify the the cruising boost, and maybe some of the boost at full throttle. Oh. See if we can get uh, even more mileage out of those things to try to make the tunes always better. That's uh, Something we're always trying to do is always trying to improve, never stay the same. So that's that, kind of what I got going on.
0: That's the theory of can I. Constant and never-ending improvement. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Yeah. I like that. And it's even kind of a cool acronym when, I, when you say it, can I. Can I. Of course I can
3: yeah. I mean, they're, they're, it's pretty good already. I mean, we've done, you know, a, a lot of DDs. I can't think of a number of how many we've done, but there's definitely improvements to get there. Um, I mean, even like the ISXs, which we've done thousands of, there's always improvements we're trying to find there too. So it's always just sort of cheap, keep chasing better, sort of can I, like yep. you said. So Yep. I like that. Always have
1: to push it. Last week, I walked into the engineering department and Leroy and JR were staring at the same computer screen and I thought, what are these guys doing? And are they working?
3: (laughs) (laughs) We were working, actually.
1: (laughs) And I looked and I said, we're uh, looking to improve this one particular tune. And they were just glued to this screen, their four eyes, and I said, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's amazing. It's amazing how much time the uh, the and JR actually spend studying tunes. I'll bet. Oh yeah. So sometimes sometimes people say, Why does this cost so much money? Well it's not the actual time it takes to do the tune. It's what did it cost us to develop that tune and to have the equipment to do the tune.
3: You know, Bruce, that's Yeah, to, to Bruce's point. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say to Bruce's point, it's kinda of Sometimes somebody will come in here for a tune and we already have something pretty much made what they want. And we'll flash it in ten minutes, and like that's it. Right. <laughs> I mean, that was ten minutes. I did not spend ten minutes on this I have spent years of my life Correct. invested in this. Correct. I was like, you know how long it took me to figure this out. Like, if this is not. It looks like it's ten minutes, but, but it's
0: not. You know, this applies to any any craftsman. You know, you, you don't pay a welder even for the time he put in welding this job, if you want the best work, you're paying for the 30 years it took him to get this good.
3: Right. Yeah, exactly.
0: And then with technology, it's it's even harder to understand. Look, I go through this all the time in our company. We have a a full-time programming team that's always doing something. And I get frustrated sometimes and say, What's happening? I haven't seen anything, you know, and, and then all of a sudden something's there and you go, oh, OK, well, I'm glad we got something. Um, but three, four, five months can go by and you don't see any progress because it's all the work they have to do to get the software to that point where they can finally show you something. But it, it's hard sometimes when you're used to, you know, you're used to physical labor where you see the results of everything you do. And in, in technology and software, a lot of times, you don't see it till the end.
5: So
1: how many people are working with Aaron now? Oh,
0: boy, I'd have to ask him.
1: So we
0: have a a, con, a company contracted that, that really works on our um, our stuff full time. But I don't know how many they have on their team. Um, it's quite a few. Um,
1: that, basically, basically, it's
0: behind
1: the scenes cost. Exactly. Right. And my, and my insurance guy who is a personal friend called me today,
0: the results Go ahead. until the end, you know, like the fuel gauges software when we built that way back when, you know, it was a year where you just don't see much progress, but you're spending a lot of money. And then all of a sudden something is there and you think, oh, well, did that Can really come? take a year? And, and it does. That's just how this stuff works.
1: It's time consuming. Right, And look at what it costs in insurance to have a shop today. Oh, yeah. It's shocking. My insurance guy called me this morning. Great news. You're only going up this much. I said, the business is down 37%. I said, you should be decreasing. Correct. Right.
0: Yeah, that's another weird thing about insurance. You, you pay for a certain amount of coverage, and at times you don't need that much coverage. And But the prices never go mm-hmm. down.
1: Never go down. And, boy, when you need an insurance company to finally pay you, look out. Oh, boy. You're not kidding. Yeah, that's... They it, spend all this money on advertisement, on the television. I'm tired of looking at that guy, that chaos guy that... Uh, for Paul um, state, you know, he has the, the scar and he has the bandaid oh, on his cheek. I'm oh, tired of seeing, oh, I'm tired of seeing the, the Liberty the, insurance. I'm tired of seeing the guy, the guy that's on with, uh, has the, now he has what looks like his son and oh, oh my God, they just Bruce, keep blasting you.
0: Bruce, you make a good point. you. If I had to guess, um, I would say about 80% of all of the advertising on TV comes from just two industries, pharmaceuticals and insurance. And they both suck.
1: You sit there, every couple days there's a new drug.
0: Can you believe that? I was wondering if anybody else noticed
1: that. How how do they come up with these (laughs) names?
0: It's funny that you mentioned that, I read an article. And
1: the side effects, they can kill you. It says they tell you that it can Death. kill you. Death. And, and they say it so fast that you can hardly hear it now. Yeah. And it's just it's shocking the amount of drugs. And, and what's amazing is years ago, before you even got into health, you know, I was into it with my chiropractors. Uh, I was at a seminar, and a guy said, there's just about a natural cure for everything. There is. He talked really about he a clove of crazy. garlic to relieve constipation. I mean, it was just, and I would sit there. I was pretty young. Lost my mother-in-law to breast cancer, and then we really started to pay attention to things and.
0: It's yeah, it's it, interesting, Bruce, it, that you noticed that about the all the different drugs they keep releasing and the names. I read a really big article about this. This is a huge <laughs> challenge for the pharmaceutical industry to try to. Co- and here's the other problem. They have to keep coming up with new names for these drugs. And now doctors can't keep this stuff straight. It It is really difficult for doctors to keep up with all these different drugs and all the goofy names. And it, that's that's a big issue. It's a mess. Okay, we
1: got away from the box here a little
0: bit. Yeah, let's get back. You know what? I, I, we're just kind of killing some time here because uh, we've only got one call. It's really unusual. I was beginning to wonder if something's wrong with the phone lines. Um, when we get to this one, yeah. we'll yeah. probably get some more. So uh start dialing it is your turn we'll uh we'll stay here as long as you've got questions let's get started in georgia nick welcome how are you now good what's on your mind today i'm not so bad
6: um hey i'm, I'm working on trying to optimize my kind of makeshift electric apu uh, I've got a a pretty decent sized refrigerator in the truck. I've got an electric air conditioner, and I'm getting ready to add an electric ice chest under my bunk. Uh, Right now, I've got three Group 31 cranking batteries, and I also have three Group 27 deep cycle batteries. Uh, Dr. Google suggests you not mix different capacity batteries. so I wanted to get your thoughts on that, and I also have room to add two more batteries, um, and I, I want to do that. I'm trying to uh, reduce my idle time when I'm sitting a little bit longer than just overnight. Uh, so I wanted, wanted to get your thoughts on that. If I should replace possibly all three of those cranking batteries, the deep cycle batteries, what, what, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Um, I mean, to be honest, I'm not really sure. Um, I don't deal a lot with <clears throat> that kind of thing. Um, I think I agree with Google on like, definitely don't, definitely don't want to like mix and match like battery types, whether it's like deep cycle and whatnot. Um, but I, I actually don't know that one. I would have to read more about it. I, I never really have any experience with it. So,
7: okay.
0: Yeah. And I also Kevin, was, you- I just so a- it, the one thing I was going to add is that the the diff, we have lots of different styles of batteries now and we even use the term deep cycle very generically there are and and then we could move on to the new kind of exotic metal batteries that are showing up lithium and you know lithium iron phosphate lithium ion uh, the, the issue with them, they'll all work together to provide electricity. So you put the batteries in, you can mix them all you want and everything kind of works. The problem is in how they're charged. So that's really where the issue comes in is, and on trucks today, our alternators, you know, only charge one way. Um, the inverters in the RV world usually have switches on them. So you can kind of customize the charging rate to each battery type, and what that does is it maximizes the life of the battery. So you can mix these things, and everything will work. Your batteries just aren't going to last as long as they should because they're not getting charged properly. So you should really stick to one type of battery per charging. So, on a truck, you might have, you know, lead acid being charged by the alternator. That's fine. If you're going to go to some sort of deep cycle or high capacity battery, that should be being charged by an inverter charger. It's the charging you really don't want to mix up.
6: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And this thing just has, uh, I think, a 150 amp alternator. And I was looking into. Uh, getting like a 300 amp uh, alternator because God, yeah. think they're
0: expensive. It's over $1,000. Again, that doesn't necessarily fix the problem of what type of battery are you trying to charge? Alternators are designed for lead acid batteries. That's what they will charge properly. and It doesn't right. matter how big it is, how many amps it's putting out. It's the way that it charges. And alternators are pretty simple. They're designed for lead acid batteries, and they don't charge the other types of batteries all that well. That's where the inverter chargers come in.
6: Right. No, I've kind of already uh, told myself going to switch all to the deep cycle batteries, um, and uh, it was just you know if I don't have enough if I don't have enough battery storage to make it, uh, and I've got to idle to bring them up. I could pretty much cut my idle time in half by by switching to a larger capacity uh, alternator, I, I, I guess. That's how the math would work out.
0: Yes, that should work out. Again, but as long I, as you're... The, the issue to keep in mind is that the charging should match the type of battery. Right.
6: Yeah, I don't want to go with a lithium deal just because, of course, the batteries are outside, and when I go into Canada or whatever... They do not make it cold. Right. Uh, Nothing not makes them cost a fortune. So, um, okay. All right. Well, I think I'm going to just convert them all to deep cycle and uh, see how it works.
0: There you go. All right. Thanks for the call. Thank and you. there are some deep cycle batteries that do charge well from the alternator, the, but not so much the new lithium exotic metal kind of batteries. Uh, but the older deep cycle stuff that still does pretty well from an alternator, uh, let's go to Louisiana, Mark, welcome to the program.
8: Uh, so Leroy was talking about, you know, the DD platform tune. I've got this car hauler here, Western star with a DD 13, which I've got the tune in, I mean, I'm not exactly sure which tune, but it's, it's a tune that, you know, Bruce's team developed. And I'm quite happy with it i mean I'm averaging on a ninety day average five point five zero cents a mile uh uh fuel mileage, and that's on all miles for ninety day average so i mean it ranges anywhere from five seventy seven down to you know you know five thirty five point thirty five point six five point two two it's a, it's but I'm happy with it you know there's no aerodynamics here or whatever but uh, you know, uh, it, it's it it seems to be doing what I paid them to do it for, and you know, not a lot of people, you know, use this DD thirteen. But I'm, I guess, I'm a test subject out here. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know how many they they've done, but I'm quite happy with it. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to give my two cents about it. So, you
1: know, uh, so. So you had mentioned your fuel mileage, but is that good for a car hauler?
8: Considering that somebody I talked to this morning said they're in the four range, but then they then again they run seventy and seventy-five miles an hour all the damn time. So I'm yeah. I generally try not to. Like today, I'm kind of need to really get over here to get loaded. I got three drops to get to West Point and just. I told him I'd load tonight and I might be in the morning, but I'm going about, I'm in, I'm I'm going 65 to 68 today. So I'm not sure exactly where it's going to end up, but sometimes I have to do a little more because, uh, I generally try not to go over 64, 65 miles an hour. But then again, it's like, you know, there's empty miles in there because it's just the nature of the business. But, uh, you know, it's, I'm Mm -hmm. out of the fours. I'm into the mid fives on my average. So I, I would say it's probably above average for a car hauler. So Mark, what did you say uh, the number
0: was your average? Exactly.
8: Oh, 90 days. Exactly. 5.5. Okay. Um, I'm just going to run some, and that's 68. and, And, and that's 68 cents a mile cost for fuels all over the place right now. So, um, just
0: real quick. Uh, Bruce, here's, here's the difference. The average car hauler, Bruce, gets four and a half. Been that way for years, hasn't changed much at all. And when I talk to most of these guys about any kind of modifications to improve that, here's their answer. It's just like the heavy haul guys. They all say the same thing. Our fuel mileage is so bad, why would we bother? And that is the exact wrong answer. If they can pick up a couple of tenths The savings is huge. It's weird that the guys who are already getting eight, nine, 10 miles to the gallon keep stretching to get a couple more tents when it's not even that big of a savings for them. The guys down at the bottom who would benefit from a couple tents won't bother. Their attitude is that, why bother? But here's why you bother. Um, the guy getting four and a half miles to the gallon in today's world at today's fuel price is spending $110,000 on fuel, and Mark at five and a half is spending 90000 on fuel. That's $20,000 difference in your pocket at the end of every year. right
1: and that's after-tax money.
0: It's huge. It goes all right to your pocket and you get $20,000 extra to spend in your personal life.
8: And, and most of these guys fly around at 70-75 miles an hour, which is on this type of equipment is extremely hard on the equipment because if you got the whole uh, the head racks, the trailers, I mean, all the hydraulics. It's like the faster you go, the more dynamic pressure it puts on everything. everything. It's just like anything big. The, the, the It's just the, the amount of wear and tear is just tremendous. So I don't like to go over 65. I mean, I will like today I am doing, well, I'm going across the Chapel Island Basin now, so I'm doing, you know, 60, but I was doing, you know, 68, 67 this morning. And that's about the top where I'll go. I just trying to maintain an average because I have, I made a promise to get here tonight. So, but I'm not going to drive 70 miles an hour to get there. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. And I, I just think that's too much, too much stress on the engine, the, 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 the frame, everything involved. But you know, you got these people out here, you the it. There they go down the road, passing you all day long. And it's like, yeah, you know, you know, I, we, I just try to be more efficient in everything I do. We, we try to talk about
0: this and I've tried to come up with another number. And so fuel mileage and fuel savings is easy to calculate. I just did it in 30 seconds while I was talking here. So that's why we really focus on the savings of specking a truck right and driving it right in fuel. There's another huge area of savings here. You just mentioned it. The problem is we don't have hard numbers. What does it cost in maintenance to go 10 miles an hour faster all of the time? And we know there's a cost. I have a feeling that cost is bigger than what we think. And it's just hard to calculate. It it would take a long time. It would take a lot of data to figure it out accurately. And I've started that project a couple of times and I get involved and it's so much work. And then I start to think to myself, I've been telling people for years, look here, you could save $10,000 a year in fuel. You could save $15,000 a year in fuel. In this example, you could save $20,000 in fuel. And people still look at me like, well, yeah, but why bother? So if I'm giving them big numbers like that and I can prove it in seconds that it's real and they ignore that, are they really going to pay attention to me telling them your maintenance costs are also going to go up six cents a mile? No, they're just going to ignore well, that too. Here's
8: another thing. Here's another thing. The same guy I was talking about, is talking about, you know, he's getting into fours on fuel, you know, because I, you know tell him what I'm getting. And last week he called me. He goes, I got this bad vibration in a tire. Something's wrong up front or whatever. And he, had, he, he had a, he lost a steer tire a while back. And he, these are pretty new tires. And I said, well, here, call this guy right here. Mike Beckett. I gave him Mike's number. I said, call him. I said, the guy knows more about this than anybody you're going to talk to. And Mike's like, you sounds like you have a broken belt. Well, I know the route he went on. He went down South of Lafayette to home and the road's extremely bad. And I know he flew along it. So he probably damaged the tire on the road because he was going 70 miles, 75 miles an hour. I won't go with 55 to 50 on that road. And so there you, there you go with speed, you know, damaging and tearing up your tires and all like that. I can't prove that that's what happened, but that's likely that's what happened. So, you know, there's so a you, cost right there.
1: You brought up a good point there. and You made me think about the safety plus because when – The car haulers lose a tire, a right or left front tire, and a lot of times they lose their entire load. And didn't we just have a bus with a high school or college band in New Jersey blew the left front tire, went down over the hill, killed two adults? Did anyone see that on the news? And if he had had Uh, safety plus, that had safety plus on that. They those people would still be alive and that bus wouldn't be crashed. Yeah. Again, I it's a seven hundred and some dollar item and that, because that's it doesn't cheap. make performance, and people would kind of ignoring. Yeah, it that's, is, that's to be more. Yeah,
8: that's 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 cheap. I mean all something has to. Do, here's my philosophy on something like that. All it has to do is work one time to pay for itself or more. Yeah. It's like
1: an insurance well, policy. A, It gives you driving comfort because it takes the jarness out of the steering wheels, especially like if you hit these bumps you're talking about. These
8: these roads are absolutely horrible out here and getting worse.
1: Mm -hmm. and That's that's because uh, we give all of our money away instead of doing our infrastructure, but that's a different subject. But the Safety Plus takes all that out of the steering wheel, all the jarring when you hit the uneven bridge. Like if you're going over an overpass and the right front tire hits before the left front and wants to jar the wheel, that safety plus takes all that out of there. Just holds that front end so nice and tight. Everyone that we've sold one to, they get back to you. They said, "I can't believe how much nicer this truck is to drive."
8: I need to get that. I'll get up there and get that.
1: Yeah,
8: I'm, I'm glad you reminded me of that.
1: Yeah, you reminded me of telling me about the Car haul was blowing front tires and yeah,
8: yeah, yeah, he blew a tire a while back. But he was he was like having problems with the tire going up and down. I said you need to. I said anytime you get a damage on something like that, just replace it. I mean, race car drivers, you know, if they get they think a tire is bad, it's like boom, replace it. But it, it you yeah. it just, it, I mean, I had a cut in a tire a while back, and it's like. A year, almost a year ago, and it's like, I looked at that, and it's almost a new tire, and I'm like, took them off, I had two sitting there, put them on, it's like, you know, cost of doing business, it's like, you know, I'd rather, mm-hmm. rather spend the money on the tires than take a chance of losing the tire and everything else, it's just, you know, it's, it's, you're, you're trying to mm-hmm. mitigate risk, so.
1: guy that there was a client of ours blew a right front tire up by Richfield, Utah on I-70, and The road's usually pretty good out there, and he went out into the field and demolished that poor truck. He lived, but you couldn't even tell it was a Peterbilt. He took pictures that he sent. Now, I was just shocked at his accident and what it looked like.
8: Yeah, yeah.
1: Another thing now, with these cable guardrails being five and six feet off the left-hand lane, uh, that safety plus will keep you out of those guardrails
8: yeah yeah This this interstate on ten right here to the left of me over here that inside it's got one of those cable you know people you keep yeah. shooting across, and it's like you see everyone's while you see where somebody's got into it, whether it's been a truck I or know. a passenger vehicle, and it's like you know it ain't pretty so but you know I'm happy with the tune everything else I mean, just you know,
1: yeah, I got yeah. a question for you i I got uh off at Breezewood last Friday, and you know as you're coming down to off the Pennsylvania Turnpike to get on I-70, you have a big swooping, uh, let's see, two seventy degree bend. Man, yep. was the black streaks along that Jersey barrier? Is that because of somebody's coming in too hard? Yes. And they get up against yes. that barrier. Yep. <clears throat> And they were, they were fresh know. too
8: uh, Paul just texted me and wanted me to talk about my oil leak in the engine I already talked to Pete about it this morning uh, I got a, apparently the the, the the gasket to the oil pan starting to seep oil in the back right rear so I am going to go up to Redneck here before I go to Nastic and just drop the truck off and drive back to Houston and leave it up there so uh, I haven't talked to Todd yet but uh, Got my set said hello. What's that? Oh, I will when I get up there. Uh, I used to see him in a couple of weeks. I used to see him at every Dallas truck show,
1: and not without the Dallas truck show, we don't see him.
8: Yeah. Yeah, well, I hadn't been up there in a while since uh, when I had my other freight liner. I used to go there because I was past there all the time, but after the issues with the shop and not being able to detect uh a uh, brake chamber leak or whatever air leak or whatever down here in houston I decide i'm i just gonna go spend the three hours go back and deal with todd on stuff like anything to deal with the engine or whatever because yeah you know, either, either that if it's not unless i have to come see you guys up there which i'll probably get up there again just come i'm gonna come get a safety plus and get the overhead re- well i just had the overhead redone but by the time the winter ends, or whatever, I don't know. Maybe I get there before the end of the
0: year. All right. So, we're, okay. we're going to move along. Calls are starting to pile up on us. Mark, thanks for the call, uh, Bruce. Real quick, before we go to another call, um, we've got five programmers. Oh, five. Five. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge payroll it, by far for people to develop. You know, we, we always talk about, you know, fuel being the biggest expense for an owner operator and you got to try to manage that. And we help people manage it Uh, by far. Our biggest expense, um, is programming. No doubt about it. We do a lot of, um, you know, a lot of technology. So, and the tough part about that is that's not an easy cost to manage. In fact, you have to be careful about trying to manage it too tightly. If you're not paying these people enough, they're, you're not going to get enough work. It, it's not a simple, well, just do this and we can cut cost. I, we could, we could probably cut our programming cost. I, I'm not exaggerating. I'll bet we could cut it by 75%. Aaron would know better just by going to another country. And and there's countries all over the world now with, with, you know, good programmers. And it can all be done remotely. And that's what a lot of companies have done. They've taken all of their programming offshore because it's so cheap. It's something we just won't do. And, and it's a big expense. And it's, it's one of our biggest, but it's just a, a big part of what we do.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to see a picture of Lisa in her blue jean coveralls on the farm so there you then, go there you go yeah. both of you you yeah. should open you should have your pitchfork in your hand and your arm around lisa and both being your blue jean overalls and then we'll know you made it there you go you got to come out here and visit us next year there you go all right
0: we're going to get to some calls because i asked and they answered and we've got a boatload of them so let's get started in missouri chuck welcome
9: Hi, how's everybody doing today?
0: Good. What can we help you
9: with? I mean, anybody come up with a colder thermostat for the oil on the twenty four fifty Cummins yet?
1: No, I, I, I think back in the days of the big cam two, they decided they wanted to be at. uh, Pete is it two thirty five or one thirty five? I'm two thirty five, correct? Yeah, yeah, two thirty five. And I think that's where all the manufacturers are, around at 235. We used to take years ago and drill some holes in the flange. Uh, sometimes we even took the thermostat out and made a plate to cover the hole where it went, but I don't know how it is located in the new ones and if there's a flange or not.
9: Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know either.
3: What's your oil type getting to?
9: uh. On average, it runs 220, 225 all day long until I start working it, and then it'll get to 240, 250 easy, especially running up and down the hills of the Allegheny Mountains at times, especially summertime. Is it <laughs> yes, you guys did a tune on it a year and a half ago?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. I used to run my 396 Chevy, which is what we towed the race car with. We would take it to 295, and that's how we determined our speed. As fast as we could go, towing an open trailer with the Corvette on it, um, we would back out of the throttle at 295 because 300 is what killed mineral oil. and I sure. think on synth- synthetic, isn't it good, to 400 degrees?
0: Yeah, um, I'm running the uh, CK4 oil, so... Yeah, mm-hmm. Bruce, I, I've heard it I doesn't it, break down at all
3: till over 400. I, I yeah. think if you had that done like a year and a half ago, you might want to... Where did you have it tuned at remote? Did you have it done remotely or here? Oh,
9: right at, uh, right at three guys' shop. I did, did the tune, the uh, intake, the full tilt intake, and uh, the fleet and air filters all at the same time.
3: Yeah, if you get back... You, do you normally come back through Pittsburgh very often or not?
9: I live up. I live up by Erie, PA, so I just have to take oh, okay. a few days or whatever, come see you guys, and
3: yeah. Yeah, I, I think you should stop down. Um, if it's been a year and a half ago, there has been a bunch of updates to a twenty-four fifty since then. So I think there's some improvements there, and we could probably get that oil temp down. Um, sounds like you're just getting a lot of, you know, a lot of internal friction. So this probably turned up pretty hot. So yeah, I would probably stop by the shop and see if we can't get that so oil yeah, temp down. Yeah, according.
9: According to your guys' printout, I ended up with 563 horse with
3: 2033 torque to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds about right for about a year and a half ago.
1: So I got a question for you. Um, okay. We get phone calls of people that are buying the new trucks, and they had older performance, whether it was a CAT, whether it was a Deck 4, even the big cams, and they don't like how quiet the engine is. And... I realized that when I bought my new Dodge with the Cummins. The engine never roars. Pulls like hell, but never roars. And are you in a 389? I am. <laughs> so being you don't hear the roar out of the engine, what did what were you in prior to buying this?
9: Um, my first truck was a uh, 2011 386 with a 485 Cummins in it.
1: Okay. So you never had like a... Two WS, one LW cat, and or one of our oh, big cans. Single or,
9: turbo cats and twin in the uh, asserts. Okay, um, yeah, some volvos here and there. So,
1: <laughs> so was in an adjustment period for you to get into a truck where you don't really hear the engine working. Um this one, you can hear the engine pretty
9: good. Uh, outside okay. wise, it's it idling. Um, it, it is really quiet. But once you're into the throttle on this, it, and it's even been that way since day one before you guys even tuned it up, it, okay. it, you could hear it. You can even hear the engine break on it.
1: Because I had a guy call the other day; he bought a new one and went from a performance one LW cat that was, I think he said 740 horsepower, and uh, yeah, it's it's quite an adjustment period. I always thought. And I thought this back when I was working on a lot of motorhomes because you don't really hear the engine much back there. We ought to put a little sure. microphone in there and a speaker up to the driver right? so you can hear the engine. We could even hey. put a uh, rheostat in there so you could turn it down when you're on the level, but turn it up so you can hear it when it's working on the hills. Hey,
0: hey Bruce. <laughs> right. May, maybe I should, instead yes. of instead of detuning my coach, maybe I should just do that. Then I could drive it.
1: Yeah. Make, make it so you can hear it because part of driving is hearing.
0: Oh, it's a huge part. If you can't hear that engine, it's it's really disorienting.
1: hearing and feeling. Look, look when you have a cold and you can't smell, you don't taste your food, right? Yeah. Well, that your taste buds have nothing to do with a cold and driving is, is part of that hearing.
9: Well, the the cabs on these new trucks, um, that they've really improved the insulation on the cabs of these trucks. Right. So a lot of that outside noise doesn't come through either.
1: Yeah. Right. Now,
9: All right. So, All but, right. I mean, my fuel mileage we- stayed the same. Um, I was 5'6 before the tune and I'm still 5'7 now. I, I kind of like that throttle pedal level too much at times. And I'm also <laughs> overweight, overweight. I just called a 14 foot wide piece. So that's
0: a nice big kite to pull through the air.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. 14 stuff. Yeah. Wind is. is tough to move.
0: All right. we. Speaking of moving, we got to keep moving through the calls. Bruce, did you see that picture I just sent you? How did you send it? Uh, text. There it is. That's it. The reason I sent it to you, it's in Pittsburgh somewhere. And that just happened.
1: I how, do, how do you get a
0: truck in a place like that? He's on some kind of. I guess there is a That's road. That's
1: coming down off of like Mount Washington.
0: Yeah, he is kind of on a road there. I think when you first look at it, you almost think he's on the steps. I don't think he is. I think he's stuck on some sort of a little concrete wall
1: there or something. But
0: how are they going to get that thing out of there?
1: No, well, he's not far from the Ganchester Towing, so they'll figure it out. <laughs> customer, <laughs> um, I don't know, but this is uh, yeah, that's interesting. That's pretty crazy. We have, you know, we have some steep grades. We have some fourteen percent grades in Western Pennsylvania. So. Um. Yeah, I'm already getting, I'll I'll post that picture
0: up so everybody knows what we're talking about. I'll I'll say this, Bruce, I spent a lot of time in a truck around Pittsburgh Um, for almost an entire year. um, I would load multiple stops around Cleveland, Akron, and then every morning I'd head over to Pittsburgh and I'd deliver probably four or five stops around Pittsburgh. Um, Fairly close into the city, too, so I spent a lot of time. Um, anytime you've got three rivers in one place, it's going to be hard to get around. So you've got the challenge of all the rivers and bridges. You've got the challenge that Pittsburgh is a very, very old town. And then you have the challenge of the geography. It's very, very hilly. Pittsburgh may be one of the toughest Mm -hmm. cities in the country
1: to deliver with a truck. That's why high-performance diesel engines started here. <laughs> I mean, the steel industry was why we yeah. came up with uh, arch trailers. Arch trailers started here, flatbeds, yep. so you didn't have a sagging wagon. And the lift axle, so that you could get on the turnpike with with and uh, 90 and 100,000 pounds, having two loads of steel on one trailer. And so we would have the lift axle so you could walk across the... Axle to get on the turnpike and and be down in class six versus eight plus yeah
0: yeah it's a it's a tough place with a truck, but I've never seen anything quite like that
7: picture
1: <laughs> that that's where I built my first muffler was for one of the lift axles, so that whenever they released it, you didn't get the loud air sound coming, so we had to accumulate the air and release it slowly, ah. All right, we better get to some more. Calls. You know those scouring pads, uh, your mother uh, scouring pad, the copper scouring pads that your mother w- would clean pots and pans with. Yeah. Hey, don't see that. I'd those go to the hardware store and No, I'd buy all I could get, and that was my filler to stop the noise. <laughs> <laughs> Creative yeah. thinking back then. <laughs> yeah.
0: You, you know what they changed to. Like we did everything. We, um, we wanted things to be disposable. So we went from that kind of steel wool or, you know, wool made out of other metals you could scrub things with to those disposable Brillo pads.
1: That's what changed all that. Yeah. You know, owner operators would come in and it'd be done for the day and uh, we'd sit around and talk and boy, they'd just get my creative mind going and, and we would come up with, came up with a lot of different things over those years. So. Yeah, that's for sure. It was a lot of fun, too. I mean, it uh, never a boring day when you're dealing with owner-operators. That's for sure.
0: All right, we're going to go to North Dakota. Brandt, welcome.
4: Hey, how you doing? Um, I I had a big, long scenario, but I'll, I'll try and keep it short. Uh, this is mostly for Bruce. Uh, I guess... I'm concerned with the, the terminology customer service and warranty. If I were to buy parts from you, Bruce, and they either showed up and they were either damaged or they were the wrong, the, the correct box, but the wrong part inside of the box, what, what would you do?
1: You just call us up and return them. Uh, a lot of times we will issue a the FedEx or UPS, a return label, and they come to your house and pick them up, and we pay the freight to get them back.
4: And, and that's, that's what I call customer service. But in this summer, I rebuilt my engine, and from three, I had three different parts from three different vendors. Uh, they're all Detroit parts. They're all OEM parts. One cylinder liner was Rusty. Uh, New cylinder liner. Uh, My my set of uh, main and rod bearings were in the correct box but were the wrong product because they were thousandths oversized. And
1: I haven't seen that. Hold hold that thought right there. Uh, That used to happen years ago. And uh, I got a call one night. I was eating my steak dinner and he put... I I sold him the bearings, and they were 10 overs in a standard box. And he didn't look, and he put them in. He called me and said, can't turn the engine over. And the next day, I went to his house, and we determined that. And I I was shocked at that. But, yes, that happens.
4: Yeah, and that, that happened as well as I ordered an oil pan, and the oil pan came in, and it had a crack on it, and there was no outside damage on the box. And with the oil pan was handled fairly easily. Uh, I had to pay to freight to get it back, but I'm not worried too much about that. But the other two were both from my my Detroit engine shop and my Freightliner shop, uh, local Freightliner shop. And uh, now I'm on their blacklist because they would not take them back. They have got kidding me. They, they said, because I put lube, assembly lube on the bearings, that the bearings are now used and they won't take them back. And the, the, cylinder, uh, the cylinder liner that was rusty, they said, well, we'll submit it to Detroit. And if Detroit says it's a warrantyable item, then we'll, we'll, get, we'll exchange it. And meanwhile, that, that can take, I asked them, how long does that take? And they said, anywhere from three weeks to three months. So I'm suppo- I've already been down for two and a half months pulling my engine apart. Now that I'm reassembling it, they want me to wait up to another three months before I can reassemble the part.
1: So you, you're going to have to buy those parts and then uh, then stay after them on that warranty. But as far as you put lube on the bearing, they ought to just wipe it off and have it for shop install. Yeah, there's nothing wrong every- with that bearing, and you know the oil is certainly not going to hurt it. So. They,
4: uh, well, the, yeah, yeah that's, that's every, quite... every, every guy I tell that story to, they all look at me and say, what, they never heard a brake clean? Um, every woman I tell the story to, they they look at me, you know, like a deer in the headlights, like, oh, that's too bad. Sorry about that. Yeah. But a- anyway, uh, the way that Detroit is using the word warranty, it's not wa- warranty. to me is I put the part in my truck, I drive down the road six months, and the part fails that's a warranty issue. But when it's a brand new part and it's defective in some way, shape or form, that's not a warranty issue. That should be like an instant exchange, but they didn't do it. So I had everything on my Amex card. So I called American Express and contested the charges and now they won't sell to me, but it's just as well. The engine's done, it's running great. And I, I hope they never go back to them.
1: But- so the, the hardest thing on warranty is turbochargers (laughs) because if your turbo's too small and you've got a lot of power and you break the turbine wheel off the shaft or you had lost your original turbo and you didn't replace the air filter and the compressor wheel exploded and went in went into the air filter and now you put the new turbo on and the pieces are sucked through and you have damage to the compressor wheel, the OEM hold on set.
0: Bentley must be acting up. I should probably do a little song
1: and dance. Okay.
4: Is is he is Uh, is he a Jack Russell? He sounds like a Jack Russell.
1: No, he's a Mini Golden Doodle, and there's squirrels and rabbits and deer, and and he thinks he's 18 pounds now, and he thinks he's the Great White Hunter. uh, But I've seen him. He's got long legs, so he can run through the snow in Colorado. But I've seen him run catch up the deer and there was a squirrel in an asphalt parking lot the other day and if that squirrel didn't turn he almost had that squirrel but the squirrel made a hard <laughs> left and up a tree so um, anyway turbocharger warranty is a tough
7: one
4: yeah and and, and i'm i mean I, I guess i guess i just I wanted to let other people know that when I went into this rebuild, I thought OEM parts were the best you could get, but they're not. When I went to exchange that cylinder liner, they had one other one on the shelf and I I had to buy it. And so I said, well, I'm opening the box up first. And I opened a box up and it had been dropped and it had a flat spot on the top ring. And I'm like, if I can feel that with my hand, if I can feel that with my finger, that's going to be a problem because that metal had to go somewhere and it mushroomed out and it's not going to sit flat in the block. And so I said, no, I don't want that one. And I ended up ordering one online. It it actually, the one I ordered online actually had a two-year warranty where Detroit's only had a one-year warranty and it was cheaper. And uh, with, the, with the bearing issue, I ended up having to buy bearings from somewhere else because the local Freightliner dealer that didn't want my lubed bearings back, uh, they didn't have the correct bearings. so I had to buy them at Detroit up in the Heights. And the first box didn't come with thrust bearings. And if I wouldn't have cut the box open in front of them and looked for everything mainly to see how they were packaged. But I looked all through everything, and I said, okay. And, and I said, wait a minute. Where are the thrust bearings? I pulled it all apart again, could not find the thrust bearings. And I'm like, this would be another warranty issue when it's not a warranty issue because the thrust bearings weren't in the box. So we they had another one on the shelf, so we cut that one open, and the thrust bearings were in there, and they were packaged correctly. So well, i yeah. really... Um, really, it, it, is an, it is not Roger Penske's company anymore, and it definitely shows because the customer service on Detroit's end is terrible. And, Bruce, I'm glad you still have American customer service. You
1: well, know, I bought a new couch, L-shaped, and it was expensive. It's made in Canada, of all places, but the corner, the L-shaped part, was dropped and this is leather, and you can see how it was dropped, and they sent a repair guy out. I said, I want a new one. He put a heat gun on it, and he shrunk the leather to tighten it up Well, it's taken its normal set again, and it'd be okay if it was against a wall, but it's not. Every time I'm in my kitchen, I look and I see the back of this couch, and this thing was $10,000. I, I want that piece replaced. Yes. And it's like, they, they don't even want to talk to me. Right? I mean, replace it.
0: You know, uh, Pete, when we talk about, you know, truck parts and, and what's going on, this, this is new, right? This is not normal. Um, we've talked for about OEM parts forever, but it, we have supply chain issues and we have employee issues and, and I think that's what all this is about. I've been talking about customer service everywhere now sucks. It's really hard to find good customer service anywhere. And we struggle to provide good customer service just because it's hard to find enough good people.
2: You know, I, I agree. Now, you know, as far as, you know, like when I worked in a shop, when I would get a set of bearings, I, I miked them. Before I, I, I opened them up, I miked each one before I lubed them to make sure they were all standard and not labeled wrong, um, put in the wrong box or whatever, and never saw one wrong. But I always did check. Right. But I think nowadays, uh, with the the climate, uh, you know, people just don't give a damn, and you're just throwing stuff in there. And and again, that's simple enough. Okay, they were boxed wrong. That's not your fault. Like you said, it's not a warrantable failure. It was boxed wrong. They should take them back. And again, you know, it's not going to hurt to lube them up. Take the lube off them. Do the shop install. You know, as long as they weren't gouged or damaged in any way, it's not going to hurt anything. Right. And, and we would have taken them back if, if it happened. Um, mostly parts we sell are commons Cummins because we're a Cummins dealer. and But um, occasionally we'll see them where they're mislabeled. Um, but we normally catch it ahead of time and, and send it right back and haven't had a problem with it. But you it's know, pretty here, rare that we see that.
0: Here's the other thing we have to think about. In, in, if I just look at my personal life, Um, poor customer service, shipping issues, supply chain issues, it's annoying. But it's nothing more than just annoying. It's not really going to change my life. Um, It's annoying. In business, though, it's different. Enough of these supply chain and poor customer service issues could put another business out of business. Oh, Absolutely.
2: And time's such a factor. Right. If I order something it doesn't come in for myself, okay, maybe I'm right. irritated because it didn't come in as soon as I wanted. It's not stopping me from doing my job. Whereas this customer with the truck, I mean, obviously he can't get back to work until he gets park the parts in. Yeah, this this
7: kind of and, stuff and is
2: critical when you
0: own a business.
2: And, and those were easy problems to fix. So, you know, obviously the shop can't control the line or trust. It came from the factory that way. It was in a box. It got put in the back. It got, you know, rained on, whatever might have happened to it. But the shop could have fixed that real simple by just taking it back. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. If we yeah, right. send a guy celin- a set of cylinder kits in, he let's say it's for a big cam and his block is cut for lower press fit, but he wore standard liners, and we take the liners back and, and exchange them the oversized liners. Kevin, did you see the pictures I just sent you? Uh, let me look. Uh,
0: oh, that's I'm awful. Fixing.
1: Yeah,
0: and they don't want to yeah. fix that.
1: <laughs> well, they they are uh, thinking that it's repaired, and, no, it's uh, not. I, I look at that. No. You know, I look at that every day. You know, so, uh, well, here, it's, here's it's not the, in the diesel engine business.
0: Here's the obvious. Here's the obvious way I can tell it's not repaired. Look at the one right next to it. That's that right corner's that's fine. Exactly so right. how can they call this corner repaired? It does. There's three mm-hmm. other corners there that look somewhat normal, and then this corner sticks out like a sore yeah. thumb.
1: Oh, yeah, that would make me. There's crazy. six or seven pieces to this couch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what you. That's what and, you see, and so.
0: And and on top and of all that. And we
1: can go back. Oh, go ahead. Over the years people bought brand new trucks and they vibrate. Vibrate to the point where you can't hold the steering wheel. And the engine manufacturer blames it on the truck manufacturer and the truck manufacturer blames it on the engine manufacturer. But the poor owner operator stuck with a vibrator.
0: <laughs> you know, the,
1: <laughs> and I've seen that on various engines and what they need to do is give the guy another new truck Not a reman engine, another new truck, and take that truck. They all have tech centers, and take it apart bolt by bolt and find out what's wrong.
5: Yeah, that's if it
1: was in the chassis. That's one thing. If it's in the engine, that's another thing. But make sure that doesn't happen again. So you know, there's plus and minus tolerances to everything, and if you get too many minuses or too many pluses, just like you know that that engine. We've had two Detroit remands that had bad line of protrusion and Steve Krohn was one of them and he went through hell with Detroit to get reimbursed some Yeah. Some money. He didn't get reimbursed completely and So on top of this horrible
0: customer service we're facing these days and shortages and all these problems, prices are going through the roof. You know, they talk about, well, they've got inflation down to 4%. and It doesn't sound that bad, except in the real world, it does not seem like 4% to me. Here's another um, example. I follow a bunch of people on Twitter that monitor different industries so I can see what's going on in, in other industries. One of the one of the guys I follow that posts a lot of good stuff. He is kind of a consultant to car dealerships. So he really understands that whole world of car dealerships. And that's been a crazy market, but listen to this. He just posted this in 2019 $23,000, and we're talking about from a dealer now, because this is all dealer stats, $23,000 bought a three-year-old used car. We got that so far? $23,000, you walk into a Mm -hmm. dealer, you would be looking at Mm three-year-old used cars on that price. In 2023, walk onto a dealer with $23,000, and you can't even buy a six-year-old car now. Wow. That, to me sounds like about a hundred percent inflation. Well,
1: in 2019, if you bought 15 gallons of premium gasoline, you spent about, uh, $30, $32. And yesterday, 15 gallons cost me $76. Yeah. So that's
0: over a hundred percent. Yeah. It's something, uh, Something's not good. Those are those are crazy numbers. And now think about the people at the bottom of our economy, the people that make minimum wage or just a little more. They might have to have two jobs just to cover their living expenses. What is their biggest expense they have to worry about? It's a car and keeping it running and keeping gas in it. That that is their biggest financial Mm -hmm. challenge. I don't know how they're doing it.
1: Okay. Hey, um, let's go back to the. Let's not just pick on the Detroits like we just did with that liner protrusion. Because Mark Dinslage bought a Cat Reman engine, two WS, and he has liner protrusion issues, and they did put head gasket on it but they didn't pull the liners out to or put the 3,000 thinner deck plate, so that problem will come back. And he's got another friend that has the same issue with a cat man engine. And over the years, we'll pick on Cummins a little bit. I don't pick on Cummins very much, but uh, it was always the reman engines were low on power. Now, that's an easy problem for us to fix, but uh, yeah. we never seem to have... I don't ever recall on a Cummins reman engine a liner protrusion issue. Do you? No, yeah, we, I've we never haven't heard
2: had that talk about one.
1: Yeah. So Your remand program is pretty good. And we talk about liner protrusion all the time. And yeah. Here are the OEMs, they they are the ones that pick the spec, and we just modify the spec, and then they don't adhere to their own spec. Some of them, right. <laughs>
0: You know, Bruce, here's the thing. I I follow a lot of this kind of stuff in business. I always have. I like reading books about really successful businesses. and, And I've talked about, you know, companies in the past that I really admired, the way they do business. Apple was a big one for a long time. Not nearly impressed with Apple as I used to be. Another one, though, that was shocking to see how far they have fallen and how fast is Southwest Airlines. I don't understand what happened to that company for 50 plus years. They were so well run. They had never laid off an employee ever through all the recessions we've had never a single layoff. They're just an amazing. They used to be an amazing company, very well run. Their employees loved them. Um, Since the pandemic, that company has fallen apart. I almost think the government targeted them somehow and did something because I've never seen a company change so fast. They're a mess now. Wow.
1: Wow. And I don't, I don't get it. No, I I, I know you're not flying much, but we just booked some tickets and sometimes they want to fly you almost a thousand miles out of the way of where you're going Yeah. To take you to one of their hubs and fly you back. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I don't want to fly to New York City from Pittsburgh to fly west. Right. Yeah, that's awful. And and, or I don't want to go Pittsburgh to Atlanta to Denver. It just doesn't make sense to me. Right. And uh, that's what we're facing now. Yeah, it's getting worse. Flying is just awful these days. I
0: used to like flying. There was a time where I really enjoyed it, even when I was doing a lot of it. It was a, a relaxing time for me to just sit back and read, and uh, not, not anymore.
1: If you can catch a direct flight, it's, it's okay.
0: Uh, one of the problems, and there are no direct flights out of Portland to anywhere. Portland has one of my—the airport yeah, itself that's... is one of my favorite in the country— but the flights out of Portland are just mm-hmm. awful. There are no direct flights to anywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. On the um, shortly after Thanksgiving, I'm going to be spending three hours layover in the Houston airport.
0: I haven't been to Houston in a long, long time. Been a long time since I've been in the Houston <laughs> airport. Last time I was there, I think I must have been on my way to Hawaii or something. All right, we're going to get back to Maybe the call. My-
1: Go ahead and that's why they're putting so many shopping stores in airports but then they're going broke because they keep raising the rent on them. Right. So. Yeah. All right. We're going to get back
0: to some calls. We do have some open lines now. We finally worked through the uh the big list there if you want to jump in with a question 855-950-3835. Let's go to Florida.
10: John, welcome. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for your show, guys. I really appreciate it. I get a lot of knowledge out of all of you. I don't hear Bruce or Leroy. You guys do any tuning on Mack trucks? We have a lot of them in there down here, dump trucks. And I just, uh, I've been to your shop before, Bruce, with my motorhome. You guys got me in and took care of me. And I just was wondering, do you do anything on Mack's at all? Um, what year? I never hear. What- well, my particular Mack's an old one, a 98. But I mean, I have a lot of buddies that have the newer, the newer Max. Uh, you know, but we're all—it's all a dump truck area down here where I'm at in Bureau Beach, and uh, we just wondered if there's anything out there that would give us a little better fuel mileage and 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 try to maybe. I know they—they're pretty Mac is pretty thin on their horsepower. What they give you out of the factory for the longevity, and you know what you were talking about earlier, Bruce, about the. different components if they would buy a Mac they wouldn't have that problem because Mac took care of all that so that was just a little rib on your Cummings and and Freightliner
1: so I'll be coming through there if Leroy can bring my remote tune kit I'll be coming through there on the 26th or 27th of October Leroy if you can uh, make this happen we can do some tunes for this gentleman
3: yeah, so I like the the thing. sort of the thing on the year of the Mac. I've done some of the newer Macs, like a 2012 and newer. Uh, some of the older Macs, anything like 2011, 2010 and older, I kind of have to check one by one if the tooling is capable of hooking to it or not. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's kind of the the long and the short of it. It's just 2012 and newer, kind of no problem. Anything older than that, it's sort of gonna maybe turn into a special project slash like one off. Uh, or we not. We might not be able to do it if the drilling right. doesn't allow.
10: Right. Well, I I used to be a shop foreman in the Mack trucks down in West Palm, and I getting close to retiring in the dump truck, and I've been thinking about maybe getting a you know becoming a remote tuner and more specializing in Macs and stuff down here. I don't know if you have anybody in the area already. I I run the Max mileage. I talk as much as I can about it. Um, trying to get some of these bits to open their eyes up. They're having multiple problems with all the uh, problems with these new deaf systems. Uh, it's just, it's costing them arm and legs, especially all these little screening plants are putting out. And out. Uh, I see a lot of cat mechanics working on their stuff. So I don't know, um, you know, if the max mileage, I, I know it works great in my old truck. I've got a few of my buddies running in their newer ones, um, but I couldn't be happier. I've, uh, I'm, average about six and a half, seven miles a gallon out of this 98. And second engine I've had in here, but it's like a brand new truck, and especially with the max mileage, it just shits and gets so...
1: Yeah. And on the newer ones, they were eliminating all the emission problems, and there's still people out there taking the emission systems off, people putting the wrong turbos on them, bad tunes, and I get these phone calls, and I say, why did you do that?
7: Right, right.
1: And why don't you just run the max catalyst, leave the emissions on it, the truck will run free, then you don't you eliminate all these other problems, because now you're limited to where you can take the truck, the, the mechanic that did the uh, repair on it uh, doesn't know anything about turbochargers and he puts a lot of them are putting the 12-7 turbo on 14-haters and 15 hater engines that doesn't work and, and then they want us to help them right. so, so I see where you are and uh, yeah, if Leroy can make this happen I, I'll, I can stop by there.
10: Well that'd be great I'd, I'd love to, you know, let you get hooked up with a few of the guys down here. I don't know what, you know, we can talk over the phone later on what it costs and da-da-da-da-da. We can yeah. do some improvements. But, I mean, with fuel going to go up, anybody that can save a mile of a gallon sure the hell ought to be doing it. Give,
1: uh, give Leroy a call after the show, and we'll go okay. from there. All
10: right. Well, I surely appreciate your time, and thank you very much, Kevin, for everything. You're welcome.
0: Thanks for the call and the support. I appreciate it. We're going to keep rolling
10: along here.
0: We, uh, we're we working our way through the phone calls. We, uh, we will stay here as long as you've got questions or until uh, 11 o'clock my time, whichever comes first. So jump in and join us if you have a question, a comment, a topic, whatever might be on your mind today. As long as it's maintenance related, we'll talk <laughs> about it. Go
1: ahead. Hey, I, I just got a message. Uh, and there is a product manufactured in Israel, Desert Eagle handguns. <laughs> That's right. That one for sure is. Yeah. Have you they ever better seen keep one them over there right now. From- they need them. No.
0: Oh, it's a monster no. gun, monster handgun. The Desert Eagle is. Is that right? Yeah. 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 It it should be referred to as a hand cannon. It's that big.
7: Oh. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah all right and that is definitely uh israeli let's uh let's go to alberta ben
5: welcome to the program good morning everyone hey uh moose did you know that uh john here has a similar product to the max mileage i i thought i heard it mentioned on the show once before
1: I don't think they do because there's lawsuits against John Deere for their emission problems. And if they had the the catalysts like the Max Maximizer, they wouldn't be having these lawsuits and all these problems with combines and tractors sitting out in the fields.
5: Yeah,
1: the problem is nobody's uh, nobody's listening and nobody's using that stuff. Well, if they believe me, their dealers would be using it because of the battles they're fighting. So.
7: Yeah.
1: There's, but anyways, can You, I, you I, can call it. I, You know, you can call anything you want, any liquid, a catalyst, but there's only one true catalyst. It's it's just like when we ceramic and Teflon coat pistons. You think a ceramic, like your grandma had a little teacup, that's not what the ceramic coating is. The the correct term for the ceramic is so long I can't pronounce it. <laughs> it's similar to a ceramic. Right. But if I use that word nobody would know what I was saying. And a Teflon isn't like the Teflon that's that you used to get in a skillet. It also has a really long chemical name. Dr. Jane would know what those names were and how to pronounce them, but I don't. So that's why we stayed with the word ceramic and Teflon because it's a generic name.
5: Yeah. So uh, Kevin, I started running that uh, uh, Max Mileage and uh, Lucas in a 3406B. Okay. And you used to be skeptical about the catalyst and. Uh, remember I called in And the, the engine bricks weren't working properly
7: mm-hmm.
5: And It took about I'd say three fill-ups And in a five-day period They started working Better and better and better That's And incredible. now they work uh, Every time So yeah. I'm wondering yeah. how in the heck What was actually wrong If well, anybody heard- could explain that
1: you got a carbon and soot buildup, mm-hmm. and uh, it's gone now.
5: And trying to tell that to some people, they still do not yeah. want to use that time. Uh,
1: you're the you're the youngest of the brothers, right?
5: Hey. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and the older brothers, of course, they won't listen to you. I'm the youngest of four. Do you think my siblings listen to me?
0: Hey, Bruce, I I, I was just going to make an analogy here, you and, should. and you just helped me out with my analogy so two areas you know I was um, Ben just said I was uh, skeptical I in in most areas I consider myself a professional skeptic that's like my job to try to disprove things. I want to prove something doesn't work when it comes to fuel mileage that's always been the case I, I prove more things don't work than ever work. Um, so I am very skeptical, but I'm also completely open-minded. Show me the proof and I will no longer be a skeptic. And the same thing happens in health. Sure. And here's part of the problem. It, it, there's a big analogy here between fuel mileage and health. We're very, very, a lot of people are skeptical about fuel mileage products for a good reason. Because most of the stuff on the market doesn't work. And after you buy some of these things and find out they don't work, you start to become very skeptical. And that's what I've done for years. Health. Think about all Mm -hmm. the horrible health advice we had gotten over the years. You you should eat low fat. Well, you have to exercise more. It, It was all wrong. And now we're very skeptical about any kind of health advice. I broke one of my own rules yesterday and I've been frustrated ever since. I have a rule that I don't give advice to people unless they ask. And it's worked really well for me. But yesterday, somebody online that I like and I, I've got a somewhat of an acquaintance with posted something about losing weight. And I broke my own rule and I went in and I made a comment and it just turned into a big argument. And I'm like, look, I don't want to argue about this. I was just trying to help you. But I, I should know better. I don't give advice when somebody isn't asking. Um, so we're really really skeptical, um, about both of those areas. So I'm skeptical, but I'm open to the proof. And that was what happened with the catalyst. I said, look, I have been through this so many times with fuel additives. They don't do what they promised to do. Um, I'm just, I, I don't believe it. And I sat back and watched and the evidence became so clear. There was no way to dispute that the catalyst was working. Uh, and that's when I finally got on board and, and it, it's been the same way with health. The interesting thing you just mentioned um, about being the youngest, uh, I'm the youngest of seven. And when I was back East last time, when I was hanging out with you guys and I was bouncing back and forth between Pittsburgh and Akron, cause I was spending time with my family, then coming back out and hanging out with you guys. And it's the most time I've spent with my family in probably 20 years. And they all listened and they, it all stuck. Most of my family is so much healthier now because all of, all we talked about the whole time I was there was how to eat and diet and health, and they're all doing it. In fact, when I get off this call, when I get off the show today, I have a call with my nephew, and it's about health because I've been helping him. But they're listening. I love that.
1: I'm good. You're I know.
0: Good.
1: I know. Now, I get them to listen to some things, but, you know. It, you're right. It's you are the yeah. yeah. I finally got my, my 80-year-old sister finally listening and joined the gym. There you at go. 80. There you go. Best mm-hmm. thing the best and I thing had my people... brother my my brother used the non ethanol gasoline in his Audi. Give her so give her there. one more piece of advice Bruce.
0: Tell her to stay off of that cardio equipment too much. You know, do, do a little cardio, but she needs to be lifting stuff. The single oh, he has a trainer. X been- hopefully it's a good yeah. trainer. And they—they they, the single best thing you can do for your age as you get older, other than diet, we know diet's the, the whole game, but the next thing is resistance training. You have to keep the muscle mass up. People get weak as they get old, then they fall, then they break a bone, and it's all downhill from there. And it's all because they, they've lost muscle mass and strength.
1: I've lost it. Yeah, we it, it, I don't know if I'd pick up a big cam head at eighty five pounds anymore. It's uh used to it, pick it, them up, set them on a the tire, climb up, stand on the spring, the, pick it, them up, swing around, set them on the engine.
0: Maybe that's what and you he, should be doing now.
1: He's probably picked up several hundred of them in his life. i bet. Oh <laughs> bet. But we he, should used to pick one up used to put a head pick one up, you know, where the push rods go through, carry two uh, put your hands in and carry two of them across the shop. Yeah, I just the two heads it, yeah. weighed as much as I did, and I, I, I was able to carry them. We used to pick up the crankshafts for big hems, three hundred ninety-six pounds. I would always take the end that had the torsional damper because it was lighter than the flywheel, and but I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> and you'd squat down and yeah. fold your hands around and pick them up and set them down in the block. We need, we need to uh, keep Or doing in that. the back of the pickup to go to the to go to the shop. Yep. Yep. All right, we better get to
0: <laughs> some called. Ben. I just realized you're still there.
5: Are Anything you else? Prepared? Yeah, I, mean, I was just uh, wondering about uh, agricultural equipment tunes If you guys do any, like say the the John Deere equipment, some of them have uh, the Cummins engine, but most of them have the uh, um, power pack and John Deere engine. And the
3: other, yeah, like the red, to, what's that? When it comes, to, when it comes to John Deere's with Cummins in it, I've done quite a few of them. Um, Probably. I would, say, I would venture to say a couple hundred at least, uh, between small tractors, big tractors, versatiles with the Cummins engines. I mean, they're pretty much the same thing as the on-road ones with some differences. Mainly when the difference between tuning a piece of agriculture equipment like a tractor versus an on-road truck is the RPM range. Uh, typically, what those guys do is they get in, set the throttle at 1900 RPM and just shoot you along at three miles per hour through the whole field. That's They set a one RPM band and it just does its thing. So it, The process of doing it is the same. It's just the tune itself is just a little bit different. So yeah, to answer your question, we do we do agricultural equipment if it has Cummins engines in it. If they have John Deere engines, we don't do that.
7: Hey Uh,
3: Leroy. uh, Yeah. When when you were
0: just talking about that, you're talking about tuning, so we are talking about electronic engines. They're running these things at nineteen hundred? Yeah, yeah. No, a lot that of them do awful.
3: that. Uh, I don't
0: know.
5: Oh yeah, Kevin, they run them up there, way up. Uh, yeah. Some of them run like even Cummins engines up to twenty one hundred or twenty like two thousand. Are they are they doing yeah, they something the
0: different so that they operate right up there? That seems like a horrible place for that engine.
5: But, but I, I guess listening to you guys, that uh, running the engine lower RPM. For better for better emissions and well, everything, and, you know, I got to
0: make sense. I wouldn't think about the kind of numbers we talk about on road. I get it's a big difference in duty cycle and what the machine's trying to do, but nineteen hundred. I'm just wondering what they change in the tune, or it just doesn't seem like it would perform or run
3: well at those numbers. I think there's also some things with, like, implements that you have to hook up that require the, that they run at a certain speed, like yeah, the PTOs right. and stuff like that have to run at a certain yeah. speed. Well, like maybe they're designed uh, part of that. That's I what don't I'm know, wondering, but.
0: if they designed them different to handle that. I, you would think so. Like, And I get it. I just, you know, the little Ford tractor I have here, um, when I have the mower going, I've got it running at 2400. But that's a mechanical engine. Yeah. Yeah. I think
3: so. yeah.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and a lot of the ag
3: guys don't seem to care about, they, they don't care about fuel mileage, they care about how many acres they can get done in a day. Right, and I wasn't worried so, so much idea.
0: about fuel as I was worried more about maintenance and emissions. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait mm-hmm. a minute, do these things have emissions? Yeah. When were they required to go to emissions?
3: Yeah. Um, about the same time, but Was they okay. they sort of league and like. And, and what what's interesting is they don't exactly follow the same set of rules. They have their own special rules set for sort of what horsepower they're at. So like you can have a diesel engine in like a little itty bitty John Deere like lawn tractor, right? Like not exactly a lawn tractor. One's a little right. bit bigger, right. right? Like my neighbor has. They might just have EGR a DPF on it. But then some of the bigger ones, they have DPF, SCR. And then I've seen other ones that are just EGR and SCR, which I huh. find to be the most interesting. That but, is interesting. Um, yeah, they have their own sort of rule set based on how much power that they make, which is sort of a weird rule, but that's what yeah. they follow. And you brought up a thing about reliability and emissions. A lot of people that had tractors were trying to get rid of those systems because of safety issues like they would be doing whatever out in the field and you would get a lot of this dry like grasses or plants or something into the, <laughs> the right. str back in there and then it would catch the tractor on fire uh yeah so they're I like can i can't that. i can't have it. i need to get rid of this system not because it's unreliable the system's unreliable but it's dangerous what i'm doing with it is dangerous i don't want it yeah uh, so yeah there's there's a lot of that out there, too. So it, that's a whole other world It's, yeah, it it's is. very interesting. Hey, hey, Bruce,
0: to go back to uh, the Desert Eagle.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, when you're watching, you know, military kind of movies and you see the machine gun that's on kind of a tripod and it's belt fed and the guy standing there, and he's got two hands on it and it's just pounding away. Yeah. That is a 50 caliber. That's what the Desert Eagle handgun is.
3: Is
7: that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, that gun you always see, that machine gun that they're always got two hands on and just pounding away with the belt, that's an M two of fifty caliber, and the Desert Eagle handgun is a fifty caliber.
1: I huh. think wow.
0: Yeah, I think I don't know. I know at one time to, it was. I'm gonna the, Google it after
7: the
1: show.
0: Yeah, I I still think this is true. At one time, it was the largest caliber handgun and round made. I don't know if that's still true or not, but I think it is. All right, let's uh, let's grab another call. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Paul, good morning.
11: Howdy from Saxonburg, ah. sitting behind door number seven. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, see, if if you were here, Bruce, you'd be able to look at my new trailer. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. I asked you a question about it, and you didn't answer me yet.
11: I was busy. I had to make deliveries yesterday, so I could get here. <laughs> when I when okay. I pulled in the driveway, when I pulled in the driveway last night, um, and I did not edit my log to make sure I could get here, but I did have that option if I ran over because I was battling the seventy-hour clock. So I was on sixty nine hours and fifty eight minutes when I pulled up in the driveway. So I went on duty and post trip and unhooked the trailer and went to bed. So but when when I was at home last week and I went to Fleet Pride just looking for some bits and pieces and I walked in and say, Oh, where's all your inventory? You know, like reflectors and just simple stuff, lights and stuff. Oh, we're out of that. Oh, we're out of that. And then I went to a hydraulic. Uh, supply place and I walked in and their shelves were worse than Fleet Pride and I said, yeah, and she's like, can I help you? I said, yeah, I'm looking for some sleeves to go over hydraulic hoses and she didn't even ask what size or anything she just said, don't have any oh, okay, so I'm not sure what happened to the people that used to go to work but it appears that maybe they don't go to work now, I don't know, for sure, but yeah so, at the end of August for 86,486 miles, my fuel cost was, I rounded it up, 61.7 cents per mile at 5.56 miles a gallon for an average. And then uh, up until today, when I pulled in the bay, my maintenance cost for 100,870. Five miles, I'm at 29 and a half cents for maintenance for a truck and trailer, but that doesn't include the money I spent on my new trailer for the modifications that I needed and what and extras I added. So,
7: Mm
11: -hmm. So, but I'm still in pretty good shape. But five, if you can average five and a half or better in a car hauler, you're doing better than most people. So, you ain't kidding if I go into the If I go below the fives, which isn't very often, occasionally it will happen. If I go below the five miles a gallon, it's like, oh, that was a bad day. Well, I know guys that they go just above five miles a gallon. They say, oh, that was a good day. Yeah, but there's a lot of guys that don't even track it. Yeah, it's like it is what it is. Pull up and buy fuel, and bitch about the rate. Tell them you need more and carry on.
1: Yeah. Hey Paul, just what number do you call when you get on the show? I have a fella that's texting me, wants to know what number to call. Uh, the, I
11: push speed dial number five. Kevin yeah. the, Kevin, the, what number? It's
1: 8 the, 1, 815?
0: No, eight five five. It's the number I give out all day long. Eight eight five five nine five zero three eight
1: three five. If if they're wait, using wait, wait. Nine, I can only type I can only type so fast. Oh got it. I didn't know. Nine five zero.
0: Three eight three
1: five.
0: What's the next? Okay. And, and You know, here's another way to remember it. Bruce makes it a little easier. Eight five five nine nine five zero. Fuel. Three eight three five. We use that extension all mm-hmm. over. It's in our regular customer service number. Yeah. Uh, it always ends in fuel. hmm. Okay.
7: And,
11: uh, a, a, a way to remember Pittsburgh. Power's phone number is 724, so trucking is seven days a week, 24 hours a day.
0: <laughs> there's
1: oh, wow. Three, that's a good one. Three,
11: 360, 360, everything right. around your truck.
0: Everything covered.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, wait, wait, wait. 360 <laughs> is a 5.9 liter, so there's a lot of 360
7: <laughs> oh, yeah, engines. Good, yeah. There's yeah, another yeah. I
1: good
7: one. Yeah.
11: And 40 or 80. Depending on your budget, you could spend forty, or you could spend eighty, more or less. So, yeah,
7: that's yeah, how four, we come well, here.
1: That was, was crazy. I always considered it. You know, some people were like pear shaped, so they're forty, 80 Ah, yeah.
0: creative. this is
1: a creative
11: group. <laughs> my 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 father used to call bingo in New Zealand. We call it housie, and he'd call. It, but uh, he you know he had different sayings for different numbers, like. Uh, legs eleven and two fat ladies eighty eight so
7: <laughs> That's what he used to say.
11: He'd probably he'd probably get kicked out now <laughs> yeah uh, and another one is a um uh has um, meal for two with a view sixty
7: nine <laughs> That All right. Should we be talking uh, hey, about hey, trucks uh, again? I,
1: Paul, I don't want to interrupt you, but Joe Dochev calls in. Take the call because uh, he's, he's the guy that's going to be the speaker at the Snowmobile conference. Hey,
0: Bruce, sure. I, I forgot already. Yep. We've been all over the board. How did we even get started on the Desert Eagle? Because all of a sudden I have a bunch of calls about it.
1: Eric Eldon, Eldon, S-K-I-F-S-T-A-D, Ski Stead, stead. he's an owner operator, and uh, we're friends on Facebook and Messenger, and he's the one that sent it to me. Got it. So
0: we've got calls, so obviously we we sparked some interest.
4: Uh, Okay,
11: I'll let you go. I'll let you go. All right. That's all I had anyway.
0: All right, Paul, you take care. Have a good day. Uh, we do have some truck calls we're going to take first, though, and then the Desert Eagle calls are a little bit down the list, but I was surprised to see them. Let's go to Wyoming. Max, what's on your mind today?
12: Hello, Kevin. Uh, I, uh, I've i listened to you talk about asphalting for several years, and I've had a 3,500 Dodge uh, fuel filter problems with for a couple of years, and I only drive it. About three or four thousand miles a year. I usually go to Texas a couple of times, and I just I just went down there last week. I took a horse, and uh, that has to take a long time. To Screw up. Uh, yeah, you took a <laughs> horse all the way to Texas. Well, I put the horse in the trailer. Oh, okay, that makes Texas. more sense. <laughs> but anyway, I got back to Lyman, Colorado. And the fuel filter was totally done for. So I pulled in the old Rip Griffin's truck stop, the TA, and uh, out the dirt part because it didn't have anything to catch my fuel. And uh, I took the tiny top off of this 07 Dodge 3500 with a 5.9 in it. And uh, I, for two years, I've been thinking I've got to put a fast system on it. I, I thought the lift pump was going bad. But I pulled that filter out. It's not as big as a beer can and all this black diesel run out of it. And I'm thinking, Oh, you dumbass? You've heard everybody talk about asphalting for years. And here you've been thinking you need a lift pump and just hadn't put it on. And, uh, I think I've got an asphaltene problem with this tr- this pickup. And I forgot so, what the products are that well, hold you on. recommend. Because I, I want to make sure
0: it is asphaltene first. The, what comes to mind when I hear about a truck that sits a lot or any vehicle that sits a lot is algae is usually a bigger problem than asphaltene. And it happens okay. because well, have you ruled that
12: out? Oh no, I haven't ruled anything. I've okay, only got so, home Sunday. So I And I'm f- back to driving my EPF truck. <laughs> if we were to look at the
0: most likely things that's happening, I would put algae at the top of the list. It sits a long time. Uh, that, what happens is you get the uh, condensation buildup. And anytime you park it, you you want the fuel running out of the top of the tank when you put the cap on and then park it. So then there's no airspace and and it can't build up condensation. The more airspace that's in there, the more condensation builds up. Then you have water in the fuel, and that's what starts the algae. So that seems like the most likely thing. Asphaltene usually comes from engines that are being worked hard. The hotter they get, the more likely you are to develop asphaltene issues. So I would rule out algae first.
12: I... I used to work this thing hard. Uh, When I first bought it, I bought it new, it's an 07, and I hauled a lot of scrap metal off down to Denver. But uh, I used to work it really hard, but for the last six or seven years, well, hell, I don't change the oil but every 10,000 miles in it. What engine is this? I never made it. It's a 5.9. Is
0: Does anybody know, is that one known for causing asphaltine issues?
1: No, no. I didn't, I didn't no think we've never so.
0: had it I didn't think so I This is how, much more likely to be algae
12: Okay, how much pressure Should the lift pump on that thing Because I let the lift pump run Until I filled the canister up And then I drained it out again And it ran fine the rest of the way home But uh, that was only 150 miles But uh, 175 But uh, like the lift pump On that thing, it doesn't seem To pump much fuel at all
1: that's what year was that again? Oh, seven. So 12
12: Wasn't,
1: it's wasn't the pressure valid. on
12: 35
2: psi, I, I believe, Maybe if my memory serves me right?
12: Well, I definitely need a lift pump then.
2: Yeah, they were known uh, for lift
12: pump issues. This one, I think the lift pump is built into the filter. If no, you put it a, fast, a couple of versions, it, If you put a filter on basis, that lift pump, run there, off that crankshaft
1: or camshaft.
2: So now on the O seven, they had electric um, fuel pump. I think it they're electric the side of the engine, uh, right above the starter. They had electric one. Now yeah. some of them were in the fuel tank, some were actually bolted on the side of the engine.
12: I think mine's on the side of the engine.
2: Easy to get to, and if you put a fast system on, you can eliminate that fuel pump then.
12: And will that fast system fit down in there, or do I have to put it back under the truck on the frame, like I've seen? You some put
2: it on the frame. Uh, Underneath the bed, right behind the cab on the driver's side, is where it's mounted.
1: Okay.
12: Um. Well, uh, other than my algae problem, I think I need a lift pump too.
1: I think. Like, are you running the max mileage fuel-borne catalyst in that?
12: Yes, I have for three okay. three years or more. Good. And that, it Mr. makes Bro. a difference. Let me tell you. I don't know why anybody would buy one of those five nines or six sevens, and then crank them up to 400 or so horsepower that thing pulls every trailer i've got just really well and i've pulled i brought a john deere tractor home from texas two years ago weighed 24,000 pounds Is and I yours all stock tires yes i've never changed oh. anything on it oh man and well,
1: mine was definitely. 160 and we had it at 513 so
12: at u-joints um, i've put a lot of u-joints yeah. in it but uh uh, I think mine's 325. It's a 24-valve, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: Wait, I didn't think the 24-valve came out to mid-08.
12: I don't know, but it... I mean, mid, mid-98, 10. mid-98. This is a 07.
1: Oh, God, I'm thinking 97. I'm sorry. My mistake.
12: But uh, I... It's got 155,000 miles on it, but I don't think I'll ever need another dually pickup. I think that one will serve my purposes at 3000 miles a year three or four thousand mm-hmm. I'm sure but what does a fast system cost it'd be the same one that goes on truck. Uh, no, it's yeah, a truck
1: not yeah they have one, different pickup lines
12: they're, yeah.
2: they're, it's smaller and it's truck specific so it's for the dodge you'll have all the right fuel lines uh, you'd have to car shop and, and get a price I don't know what the I, I sell very few for pickups most of our work okay. class eight so I don't know the prices, well, but you know, we, we put them on our Dodges and they worked well.
12: Okay, well, I think I'll try to take care of the algae and order a fast system. I need some more. I need some more Beak? catalyst anyway.
1: Beak, can we set him up
2: with some kill 'em? Right, he'd want to use Killam if he thinks he has algae. Yeah, and a pint bottle goes pretty far, especially in a pickup.
12: Okay, well, I'll just order all this stuff at once. Mm-hmm. Yep, we have it in stock. Okay, well. There's no hurry because I don't have another trip planned for three or four months so <laughs> the truck will just sit there I'm sure well I use it I occasionally go down in Colorado but I don't know anything I'm going to use it for in the near future but I'll Come get, to the I'll conference. I uh, I live in Wyoming and I get enough cold just going in and out taking care of my animals. Hey, hey, Max,
0: <laughs> I, I, I want to go back to this yes. fuel. You said when the fuel came out, it looked black. Have you cut any filters yep. apart or found any deposits that that you can touch, like uh, where this stuff is really
12: conglomerated? No, but this thing, I put a flatbed on it a few years ago, and the reason I could see it was black is to keep it from, well, I wasn't trying to make a big mess, but I, I set I went to set that filter down on the flat bed, which is black too. And I thought, this damn diesel is is dripping black. It's black. Well, here's here's why I asked
0: if you have not found some of the substance to, to touch enough of it, like it'll settle in the bottom of a filter. Algae will be slimy, asphaltine will be sticky. They're really easy to tell apart, but um okay there's there's this other phenomenon we keep running into with trucks and we've thought maybe it's soot where you see the filter turns black but there's no real restriction and and we thought maybe we're just getting okay soot pete have you guys Uh, dealt with this a lot where everything looks black but there's no real problem we're not seeing filters clog we we have seen that yes and I, I think we may yep, even cool talk oh about yeah, it once we speculated it might
2: be soot. Yeah, some combustion the, last in there two,
12: the last two of those filters that I've changed are laying on that flatbed up against the head. Hey, so correct? here's
0: a question. Oh. When you change the filter, does the performance of the truck change significantly? Whoops.
12: Max? Yes, I lost you there for a minute.
0: Oh, when you change filters does the performance of the truck change significantly?
12: You know, other than the jerking, uh, the thing will run. See, I, and all I, at once, it'll I, just go to jerking, and I, then it'll go back to running again.
0: I, I'm almost thinking you may not have a filter problem at all.
12: Okay. It could be just the lift pump in a week. That, um, since you know
0: you need a lift pump, I might put the lift pump in before I tried figuring out if it's algae or asphaltine or anything else. I think I would just do the lift pump
12: or put the fast. Okay. On, well, I,
0: which would be even better. Yeah. Really.
12: I'm going to put the fast on. Yeah. Which and be the better lift
0: pump. I, I would, do, I would do that and then change the filter right then. And then just watch it per, for performance. If this truck is already that okay. weak, and then you had a clogged filter, you'd almost be on the side of the road with this thing.
12: Okay. Yeah, the, that was always a mystery to me. It would, uh, well, I'd usually stop and drain some stuff out of the fuel filter, get back in it, and it get down the road two or three miles and it'd go back to running just fine. Might run for 200 miles. And yeah, then they. Uh, but. Anyway, I've been fighting with this. Well, I don't drive it that much, right? And I know I've how that goes. Been fighting with you,
0: it for you, a couple of years. Yeah, you think. Well, I'll take care of yeah. it later, and then you don't I, get to it later, and then you got to take it, another trip again. And yeah, I, right. And
12: I, I got, I got five thousand projects to do, and I'm almost a yep. hundred years old, and <laughs> I don't ever get to them. <laughs> yeah, I know how that goes. Wait,
1: How old are you?
12: I'm seventy-seven.
1: Oh, okay. You're only two and a half years ahead of me.
12: I. Going down the road in my EBF truck today. I, I was on vacation all last week. I had some vacation I'd use up, so I went to Texas and it's 96 degrees the day I got down there. <sighs> yeah, I, I would, and it was it's froze at my place the last couple of nights.
0: Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, I'm going to cut you loose. The calls are building up on us again. Um, I would start with the fast, put some new filters on it, wait until next year, and you'll see if it works or not. I don't know if I'd go down the path of chasing. Uh, asphaltine or algae right now let's go to north carolina steve welcome
13: Uh oh, good afternoon guys um yeah, you were talking about batteries with somebody earlier today, and uh, batteries are something I've always been a stickler about. I don't like I don't like a three hundred dollar road call to get the truck running. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, so uh, I've always been a stickler about batteries. And uh, the old Kevin Rutherford truck I had, I used the deep cycle batteries from Sam's Club, which had uh, the same reserve capacity as the uh, Optimus. They were made in the same plant as the Optimus. They were made by uh, they were made by uh, uh, by uh in an Interstate who uh, who owns Optima. Okay. And you know, they were like one seventy nine and the Optimus were four hundred. <laughs> All right. Um so when I got this truck I, I had the OEM batteries which were lead acid and I said I'll run run them till they you know run out. I
2: figured it about a year. They actually to, to their to
13: their credit, uh with the uh with the with the uh with the electrical shedding that the trucks do now, um uh, they lasted two years and they were they were starting to starting to wear some but I never had any issues with them but last year at this time I put the electric APU on and uh, of course I have 450 amp hour batteries back in the frame for that but they're from they're from Germany and so the guy from the guy who puts it in he's from Croatia he was an electrical engineer over there uh, and he he put it in and he said he, he showed me his Group 31 batteries that were deep cycle AGMs that were a hundred amp hour apiece, piece, uh, just as you know, just about what the optimas are. Uh, and I uh, I put those in. I love them. I flat out love them. I'll, I'm home three days on the weekend. I'll forget and leave stuff in the refrigerator. Leave the refrigerator running. I'll still have 12.7 volts on those truck batteries when I come back, when I come back on <laughs> three nice. days later. Yeah, they do not they they. They are fantastic. They cost the same as, as the Optimus. They're about four hundred, but uh, they had a five—I think a four or five-year full replacement warranty on them. I mean, that's crazy good. Yeah, it is. Uh, and uh, and the only thing that beats that beats that now is uh, i got I got five-year on the hundred and fifty amp-hour batteries back there with the APU. Love that, by the way. And he has uh, he has now uh, put in uh, he puts in the uh, the lithium batteries uh, uh, for that back for the eight. Uh, a- APU, and he has a full ten-year replacement warranty on the lithium battery. Um, so uh, that's, just, that's 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 just the crazy good. He's got right right much more reserve capacity than the 150 amp hour for those. So, but there there are good options out there. Uh, the thing is, is you might spend a little money up front. It's just like you know Bruce talks about: spend some money up front. It'll last you a long time, and uh, and that's that's what I look for in everything I do is. As I will pay I'll pay up for it to start with. I just want it to last a long time. And um, so, what uh, with batteries, there's nowhere I'm going but electric APU for anything batteries, uh, because they, they're that good. I, I've got to I've got to do you up a post on everything. I got a bunch of videos and stuff of, of the install and what they what they do. Uh, Tad's got it on his truck now too. He flat out loves it too. Yeah, I'd like to uh, see that. But uh, most cost effective. It's half the cost of that idle free thing that Joel has. And you don't have to use, you don't have to uh, have a 405 amp uh, alternator. It does not, it does not uh, daisy chain. It does not daisy chain between, you know, to your truck batteries and back there. It goes from your truck batteries to two uh, trickle chargers that charge your, your big batteries back there. And they charge at about 10% an hour. So while you're driving, you got your full, that is a fantastic process. And and it has app for it. It, it has it has an app where he can make adjustments from from up there in Island Lake, uh, uh, Illinois. If you have an issue, he can troubleshoot if you have an issue uh, remotely. So there's so many things there. Uh, I got I got to get you and Tom together. Yeah, I want to uh, see that, and uh, I'd love to get him on the show sometime. Yeah, and it's fantastic. Like I say I'm getting ready to put it on the other the other truck. I'm going to team the so, in that. I'm gonna put it on that truck and. Hey,
0: if you, talk, yeah, if you talk to him and he's interested in being on the show, send the info over to our support team. And we'll get him on.
13: Okay, I will do that. I, I will do that. Like I said, he's from Croatia. Uh, he is brilliant. I, I know when he texts me, is, uh, he knows the English language better than we do. <laughs> he doesn't, there's never, a, there's never a, a grammatical error in a text. Obviously, he's got an accent because he's from Croatia. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing: he was he, he and his wife both had master's degrees over there. They came over here, and obviously, they you know you had to make money, so they they actually went to truck driving school, teamed up, and 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 uh, drove the truck for about five years. But on the weekends, he started developing his systems and started putting them in. And about two or three years ago, he sold the his truck to one of the guys in the tribe. I think he mentioned it one time. Uh, uh, but uh, and and that he he started doing it full time and uh, and so like I say he's uh, he's fantastic I wouldn't go anywhere else. and it's <laughs> uh, and it's less than nine grand, Um yeah, for everything. It's all integrated. Everything's integrated together. So you got a remote. You know, everything. It's just like I say. It's really good. I got to get you and Tom together. it would be a good. It would be a good hour show. Really, uh, uh, to be able to do so. But we appreciate everything you guys do for us out here.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the heads up on that. Uh, I'm interested in that. So I will look forward to getting some more info. Let's uh, let's go to North Dakota. Brant, welcome.
4: Hey, how you doing, Kevin? I, uh, I, I, when, when you heard you go off on the tangent on the desert Eagle, it's like I got to call in and correct it before bad information gets out there. Good. Is so it the caliber anyway, thing? the desert Eagle, yeah, the Desert Eagle shoots a 50 Action Express, which is a 50 caliber, 33 millimeters long. It's a little short stubby thing, and 50 caliber in a handgun is going to be .500 inches, because if it's bigger than that, the ATF classifies any uh, anything bigger than 50 cal in a handgun to be a destructive device, and. You can still own it, but it's just a lot of paperwork, and you got to you got to get an ATF form a ATF or NFA form four, and it's just a headache. Now, the machine gun that you're talking about is a fifty Browning, and that is a fifty cal, but it's ninety nine millimeters long, significantly but bigger. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah it, I it's, was going to get into that. You're, you're comparing don't, well, donuts donuts and oranges. Yeah, they're I was, not really
0: comparable. I, I was going to get into that. It's this. it's really the same thing as a 22 and an ar-15 very
4: yeah yeah That's it's the about same, that yeah same
0: caliber, they both that, which is typically the, like the diameter of the bullet but then you can make a round longer so they can pack more powder into it so i really was just comparing the caliber right. not the round
4: yeah and the 50 bmg is actually a 510 at 0.510 inches. It's slightly over a half inch. Of, you know, it's 10,000 over a half inch. Uh, why the, I mean, 50 BMG rolls off your toe. It depends whether you measure the bore or you measure the groove. But anyway, as far as the Israel thing, the only thing I know on my truck that is Israeli is the radiator cap. Uh, two or three years ago, I was, ha- I was having issues with not being able to maintain pressure, my seal was bad. No one could tell me what pressure I was supposed to have. so I bought three of them. I bought a 9 psi, a 12 and a 14 psi. and uh, all of them were made in Israel.
7: But uh, as I
4: crawl all over my truck, yeah as I crawl all over my truck and see that you know the, the transmissions from South Africa, the, the front of the ha- front half of the axle is from Argentina. the differential was from somewhere else. I mean it's literally made all over the world. But uh, I don't know if my OEM radiator cap was from Israel, but the replacement is from Israel.
0: You know, and here's the other crazy thing. The last year or so I've been talking about how complicated our world supply chain is. You may have a part that's coming out of a country, Israel or or wherever, any country. The, The manufacturer of that product is in that country, but they may send their parts halfway around the world to have some process on them and then sent to another country before they ever get shipped here.
4: Yeah, very well possible. And they could source, if it's something right. complicated, like a differential, they could source the bearings from one country. Correct. They could source yeah. the, the ring, ring ring gear from another country. They could source their the, uh, pinion gear from another country. I mean, they could, yeah, they could source... And even right. though it might say South, well, not the, the transmission, is it, it says South Africa on the transmission, but that doesn't mean the internals came from there, South Africa. Maybe it's just the case came from there, South Africa.
0: There could be 10 different countries involved in all the parts to build that transmission. That that's Our supply chain has become way too complicated.
4: Yeah, it, it, it is. And, and as soon as there's a little hiccup in the supply chain, it's like everything comes right. to a grinding halt.
0: Right. That's, that's you know, two, what two
4: years ago, two years ago, I was shut down in the middle of summer because I couldn't get an air conditioning tube, you know, <laughs> a, a tube that's probably 30, 30, inches long. I could not get an air conditioning tube. Nobody had one anywhere and nobody could tell me of a local shop that could make one for me. Wow! And I was shut down for like three and a half weeks until I could find an air conditioning tube. Wow. Yeah, there aren't a lot of uh, independent
0: machine shops around anymore that can just build stuff for you.
4: Right. You have to find ones that's got 60-year-old guys working on because anybody that's 25 or 35 in a machine shop, they're like, well, if there's not a program written for it, we can't do it. Exactly. And the old-timers will sit there. They're
0: not machinists. They're software operators.
4: Right. The old-timers will sit there and look at the problem and say, well, I could do this and this and I could flare it this way and I can bend it. I don't have yep. a mandrel that size, but I'll make this work or I right. can cut it and miter it and, and take it back together. And yeah, they'll figure some way of doing it.
0: Yeah. Not enough of that stuff going on these days.
4: No, it, it, it's a, it is a lost art. And when you when you I have a couple shops like that, you know, the guys that would just fix it no matter what it takes and I they're all in their 60s or 70s and <laughs> right. it's like man and once once they're gone I'm going to be out of luck here <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it's uh all right hey thanks for the heads up on that I you know as I was telling you about the caliber Bruce I said I was thinking to myself somebody's going to call me and uh correct the technicals on this I have a sign above my door in the studio I need to move it over here to the studio now and it says Nobody is listening until you make a mistake. Then everybody seems to be listening. My next three calls—they uh, do have some truck things, but they also want to talk about the Desert Eagle.
14: So, Terence, what's on your mind? Hey, what's up? I don't have any, I don't have anything trucking, but the original first Desert Eagle was a forty four caliber. I, Cause I had, I, a, I had a, I had a 44 was, yeah. a Smith and Wesson. Yep, I had a Smith and Wesson 44 and my buddy used to work out when I worked for Mer- with Merchants home delivery service, he had the 44 desert Eagle. And we used to go to this place in Dunellen, New Jersey. It was a big cop shop. They used to do their target stuff. We'd get down there with those two things. He had to, he had to have a heavy round to kick that slide back. I don't know if you ever felt one of those guns that had it in your hand. I have it's it heavy. No, it falls back into place. It falls back into place. We'd be down at between my gun and his. We'd have about seven or eight cops behind us. <laughs> Look like, what the <laughs> hell are you guys shooting? We just go like this. Here you go, buddy. Yeah, We'd just right. hand them off to him, you know. We we came out of there with half a dozen PBA cards, you know, that's why I'm getting a ticket, but my God, he, he used to have to put a big round in there. And it when, just was, but what unbelie- unbelievable target practice.
0: When Bruce mentioned it, the gun, I thought, they're 44 calves. That's what was in my mind. And then I yeah. looked it up. And when I saw 50 cal, then that's when I thought about the M2. And yes, there, there is a difference, but it's still kind of funny that they're both 50
1: cal.
14: All right, I'll let someone get in there with truck issues. But what, what a gun. I love that gun.
0: All right. <laughs> Later, let's guys. Go.
1: Let's go to that. So, so I Googled it, uh, Kevin. I'm, yeah. I'm looking at handguns, yeah. and uh, of which I don't have very many. So it uh, looks like an interesting gun. It, it's I've never I, held I, one,
0: but it, it looks heavy.
1: Beat. So here's one, yes. D-E-44-C-A, ca de 44 I do don't know what this stuff means, but that, D-E-50-W-T-S. Is okay. that 50 the, the, caliber?
0: Yeah, that's just what Terrence was saying. It was a 44 caliber. That's the 44 you're seeing there, and then now it, it's a 50 cal. So, yeah, that's the designation. You're looking at both of them.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's go to... Colorado. Joe, it's your turn.
15: Well, thank you for letting me speak. That's an honor. Uh, and the, the the previous two callers kind of touched base on what I was going to say about the, the Black Eagle. Um, and Bruce, if you're not very
1: familiar with it, when you get out to Colorado, we'll we'll play with one. There you go. Okay. I'll take you out. By the way, this is uh, Joe Dochef, who runs his shop in Kremlin, and he's our not remote tune dealer and catalyst dealer and a great mechanic and I met him because he's got a Kenworth dump truck with a big cam in it and he called me about oh. three four years ago with some questions and I found out he lives nine miles from me. Well, Joe and 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 he, you did you make the concrete for the gateway in? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And you also made the concrete, or you poured the concrete for my home in Colorado. Yes, we did. Ah, We sure did. All right. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, Joe, Um, welcome to the show, and I hope you become a regular caller. I think
15: you'd have a lot to add. Well, I very well might. All right. (laughs) So uh, one of the other things that came up on today's show from one of the other callers was uh, the John Deere Motors and, and their proprietary information and stuff. and. And you were discussing the, the RPM range that they operate at. And um, I just wanted to kind of shed a little bit of light on that. Sure. Because I do work in the agriculture industry a fair amount. And yes, those, those tractors are made to run at those higher RPMs and primarily to supply the, the speed and the power for the implements and the, the machines they're powering. Uh, whether it be a, a hay baler or um, a wind swather, uh, silage cutters, combines, they've all got their optimum RPM for the machines. And therefore, John Deere just matches that RPM with the engine. And that so, makes sense. It just seemed
0: like it, such a it, high range when we we know what that would do uh, to uh, an emission engine. The way we run them on the highway, it would be a disaster. I have to believe they've done things so that it's not a big problem.
15: Well, and we're we're about to find out what that will do with the emissions. I know that there's some local farmers around here that have now got farm tractors that are running. Uh, def fluid and have the particulate filters yeah. and and everything that goes along with it and so yeah it it will be interesting um however it, it is my opinion that the idling and the lower rpms and the lugging of a diesel engine is actually harder on it than well, running at full throttle let, let's talk about that a little bit
0: um not the new okay. the new modern engines and and The platform we talk about a lot on this is the Volvo. Um, That engine performs really well at 900 RPM. That's the way it's been designed. And you can't can't lug that engine. It's virtually impossible. It'll make power down so low. It holds good heat in the engine down at those RPMs, so that's good for the emissions, keeping all that heat there. Um, so that's really the the direction we've been going in the on-highway stuff for a long time now. These, these really low—Bruce, mm-hmm. don't you get a lot of that in the marine world, too? I know they run a good steady yeah. RPM, but they run a lot of low RPM.
1: Yeah, yeah so it's— I, They I, run—
0: I, I get that we need the RPM for these the PTO. It makes total sense that we need it. I just don't these engines don't seem to be designed the, the way we know of them, um, don't seem to be designed to run anywhere near those kind of RPMs. And, and one of the first problems we see in an emission engine, if you run it higher in, in the RPM range than it should be, it doesn't keep enough heat in the engine. And then we start to see the soot and emissions problems. And I'm wondering if if agriculture just hasn't experienced that much yet.
15: Well, I I don't think they have. Um, and in in prior years, you know, going back before emissions, they they didn't seem to have carbon buildup problems because right. they were always operating at that higher RPM. And and I don't know the actual technology that these tractor manufacturers have used to alleviate the the problems with the emissions at the higher RPMs, but. Time will tell for sure.
0: It, uh, it now, certainly sounds to, like a good market for the Catalyst.
1: Yes, Before yes. Before we let Joe go, Joe is the guy who was the maintenance superintendent at Peak Ready Mix in Silverthorne, Colorado, and he was using the Catalyst, and he... Oh, Peak was the company. Remember, Kevin, three, four years ago, I told you they buy a thousand EGR valves a year and just replace them? Right. This is the man. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, amazing how things come around, right? Yeah. And so I introduced him to the catalyst, and he has many stories about cement mixers and with the catalyst with the max mileage fuel borne catalyst fixed what about that story with that girl that was coming in one of your female operators and yeah did you have to meet her up in craig or someplace uh actually steamboat springs but uh
15: the the service engine lighthead came on and it had derated uh it was needing to regen um, she was unfamiliar with the truck and the operation of it, actually. And so it had it had alerted her several times prior, and she just ignored it. And so then it got to the point that where it needed to regen, and she'd ignored it enough times, and it had suited up and got to the point it put it into limp mode. Uh, I actually met her over in Steamboat, put the catalyst in the, in the tank right away, uh, did a, a bit of a regen there and sent her on her way and completed the day without it going into limp mode and followed up with it on a regular basis and it actually cleaned that truck up and all that trouble just went away it it was amazing to me that you know we saw a difference on the first day of wow. putting the treatment in the tank and and the follow up treatments on it and it turned out that... The problem subsided and went away.
1: Wow! And now that you're no longer with that company, they're back to their problems because they're not buying the max mileage catalyst. No way! Because they wanted mm-hmm. to know why. Well, yeah, yeah, they um, wanted to know why your fuel bill was higher than all the other locations. And right. would you have you had about three or four or five locations in Colorado, Colorado running the max mileage catalyst, and they were all running yeah. trouble free? And then when you left the company? Yeah. Actually, I left
15: and then the, the head of the shop left. And then lots of changes transpired after that. And, and then I I probably what I need to do is go revisit that because I still got a relationship there. And, and now they can probably really see on paper the cost that it, it was high before. And then we lowered it and then it went back up. So... I'm sure. It, I'm sure it's in black and white
1: in wow. front of them now. Wow. Mm-hmm. And who's my neighbor that has the? Uh, I have a brain fade right now. That has the equipment, the Caterpillar equipment, along with the Belts? Mark. Mark. Mark tells You have Mark with on Max. it. And, and mm-hmm. Mark was ah oh, a year or two ago. He was telling me what it was costing him in emission related problems, and they're gone. Correct. Yes, they are. They are. He's had, he's had a few
15: problems that were not related to emissions, but uh, oh. he has very little emissions problems.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. What's the name of his company? Maximum Services. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Any other stuff? Okay, well, that's, what, what about that's the, all i for today. What about the concrete pumper your son drives? Wasn't that having some issues? It.
15: It, the, the issues that it was having were not necessarily emissions issues, but they were fuel issues with with uh, filters. Uh-huh. Um, and we resolved that with just uh, preventative
7: maintenance.
15: Uh, there you Make go. Make sure we we check them and change them. Mm-hmm. That's probably the single biggest thing for for fuel systems or emissions
1: is preventative maintenance. And you live right on the Colorado River, correct? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So your ranch is on the Colorado River, so he's a rancher, he's a concrete guy, he's a mechanic. What else? (laughs) Owner-operator. My wife has got two uh, tandem dump trucks that she operates herself. Hey, what about that story? You went into Denver, brought back that front-end loader because it Mm -hmm. wouldn't go into forward or reverse? Oh
15: yeah. It it sold on an auction sale. It said the engine runs and it will not go forward or reverse. Um oh, I, I bought the loader. I hauled it home. That was one of the one of the times that Bruce was here and he was in the yard when I pulled in
1: and he said, My Lord, was, what are, what are you doing? Joe, Joe, that was my first time. I sat there yeah. and waited for you talking to your son. That was my first right. time I met you that's right yeah um so we unloaded
15: the loader we drug it off the trailer and into the shop and and thought well this couldn't be too complicated and they had taken the valve body apart the forward and reverse valve body on it and didn't put it back together with all the o-rings and so oil had leaked out all over the trailer on the way home and um And come to find out, once I got the valve body put together, it sometimes would go forward and reverse, and sometimes it wouldn't. And lo and behold, it was a bad solder connection, the circuit board that controlled the forward and reverse solenoids on the transmission. And so they sold that loader on an auction sale for a fraction of the price of what it was worth, and it was about five cents worth of solder that it took to fix it. And those are the those are the kind of things that I love to tinker with and play with because it, it just blows my mind that it goes bad and, and somebody thinks it's, it's something major. There's a it just quit going in forward and reverse and there's a major transmission problem when all it was was a little bit of solder. Wow.
7: Crazy. Mm-hmm.
15: Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, the snowmobiling and and everything in February, and Bruce has signed me up to be the speaker there, and I told him I'm not much of a public speaker, but I can tell stories and and BS with the best of them. Hey, Joe.
1: Okay, so are you going to stay there or are you going to commute? I'll probably stay there, Bruce. Good. You should call Darcy and get your room set aside i will do that hey,
0: hey joe since you're helping and us, and i with, need to
15: i need oh, go ahead go ahead. i need to get a hold of pete this week also and and get some parts ordered for my big cam 400 we're going to rebuild that this winter okay there you go That's great hey,
2: okay
0: hey, hey joe since you're giving us maintenance advice um i'll give you a little speaking mm-hmm. advice um i used to think that um, I would rather die than have to get up in front of a group and talk to people. Uh, I was terrified of it. hated the thought. Um, after 30 years of doing it, I think I'm getting a little more comfortable. But what you just said, um, you'll make an excellent speaker. Mm-hmm. People would much rather hear stories than just plain facts. You know, you can be the most brilliant person in the world, but if all you do is stand up on that stage and spout facts, you're going to put people to sleep. If you're a good storyteller, right. that's what makes a good speaker. You sound like a good storyteller.
1: <laughs> Joe, well, mm-hmm. thank you. We'll save, the, we'll save the story about the bulldozer turned into a tank <laughs> <That's right. laughs> for the Snowmobile conference, all right? Oh, heavens, go. yes, yes. That That one takes a while. There you go. <laughs> yeah.
0: Good, good. Okay. All right, Joe, thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Take Talk care. to you guys later. All right. Bye. Let's. Uh, all right, we are down to our final call, and uh, it looks like it's probably going to be our last time. Wise, anyway, I think we're going to wrap this up today. Brian, in Ohio, you get the final word.
13: Yes, Kevin, I've got a fifty cal stainless steel Desert Eagle, and to put that cartridge into perspective, it'd be about three quarters the size of a tube of chapstick. Okay, is about what it would
1: look like. Yeah, so it is really good. to shoot. Yeah, yeah, and it's a two-hand gun to shoot. You're not shooting <laughs> it with one hand.
5: <laughs> it's, a, it's a semi-automatic, and it, it is a huge
1: gun. <laughs> it is big. Okay. So yeah. let me ask you a question: that that gun that Clint Eastwood used when he said "Make My Day" wasn't that a fifty Cal? No, I thought that no, was, a it was a .44. Oh, it was a forty-four. That's right. 350,
13: 44 because he used to say it's a world's most powerful handgun. Okay. Yeah. Didn't,
0: didn't somebody make? Was the most one. Wasn't one of those movie or TV characters? Didn't somebody make the three fifty-seven kind of popular? Who's that? The Magnum. For a second, I thought it was him, but I think you're right. Yeah. Man, that was a forty-four. Well,
13: yeah, weren't they standing on a football field or something and? He shoots, shoots that guy.
11: What movie was that?
0: Yeah, I don't remember. So said said make my day.
11: Yeah. It
7: was the same Yeah. That was a hell.
11: <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's that, Pete? Yeah.
2: Anyhow, he shot him in the knee.
1: Oh, ah, okay. At,
2: at like point blank range. No. Okay. Okay. You know, if,
1: if, if Clint, Bert- go ahead, Bruce. Clint- if Clint Eastwood was much younger, he would have made a phenomenal vice president for Trump. Yes, he would. Yeah. He would have scared yeah. the shit out of all those foreign people, and they they wouldn't be fighting today. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> and they could have thrown Charles Bronson in there as the
0: too. That's right.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: We, we need to bring yep. back tough guys, yep. man.
5: Uh, We just lost one. Dick Butkus. Did you
0: see that? No, I didn't. That was a badass. Yeah. Yep. We're losing all the tough guys.
1: Anyhow, yeah, for the Pittsburgh guys here, I've got a 2018 X-15 with your tune in it. And when you talk about emissions issues, I don't know what's
13: excessive. I've been running the catalyst for three years, probably four years. I'd have to go back and look. But I just wrote down the last three years.
1: 21, I put a particulate matter sensor on, BPF filter. 22, BPF pressure sensor, outlet knock sensor, another particulate matter sensor, exhaust pressure sensor. In 23, a knock sensor, inlet knock sensor, and just 919, I put another particulate matter sensor on. Every year, are these, are these sensors that? possible to be cleaned with the uh, brake clean, Leroy?
3: Um, some of them. Some of them you don't really want to do that to, uh, like some of the knock sensors and stuff. I have heard a lot of reliability issues with the PM sensors. So that's that's not surprising to me. And depending on how old some of the other sensors are i mean you usually get like 250 to 350,000 miles out of a sensor so i mean if you get more than that or if you have more than that on them i mean you're it's good for it i mean good good for you you got 600,000 miles out of the you know exhaust pressure sensor yeah. but um, it, it just depends on how old all that stuff is sometimes it kind of stacks on all at once but uh it doesn't sound too terribly outside of what's normal i mean putting multiple knock sensors in kind of uh puts a little red flag up on my head i'm not sure if that's just uh you know they're actually going bad or they're getting replaced for to cover up other issues like i had a guy that just had a bad scr and the shops just kept putting knock sensors in he's like why have i went through 13 knock sensors in two years like be right. because it's not the knock sensor. it's the scr <laughs> you know whatever you wherever you're taking this is keep telling you the wrong thing um
13: well
1: i, we, I don't know we do it in and we put in
13: house here at the shop that i work out of and and yeah you know just
1: everything else you know shows that it reads okay are you on a but lot in, of, of bad roads road. are you on a lot of bad well roads? I, i'm in ohio 100 miles one way 120 miles one way is the farthest i go okay I pull, pull a dump trailer and. Uh, 5.67.
3: Yeah. I mean, and have you ever done anything like the, like putting sensors on previously or not really?
6: Well, yeah. I mean, back this goes back to 21
13: that I did, you know, this amount of sensors that I just told you. You guys would have
1: done the tune in October of 21. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I didn't know if that was an extensive amount. Mm, you know, like the, might be the, the PM... PM sensor for one a year, right? you know, is there something wrong with my system? That isn't... Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting those kind of phone calls with those kind of sensor issues. Pete, are you getting that? Not
2: much, but I don't get a lot of the newer stuff. Leroy, are you, are
1: you hearing uh, people losing them once a year?
2: Yeah, I get a lot of calls about PM
3: sensors. They, they just, they don't work very well for some reason. I'm not sure. <laughs>
7: which
3: what. Yeah, no. What you know, you're saying is not all that uncommon. I mean, it's it's terrible. I mean, I don't get these calls every single day, but it's I get them frequently enough that when you said it, it it wasn't surprising.
13: Oh, uh, okay. You know, and and you get these sensors, and I think it was an outlet knock sensor I got. It had a big junction in in between the wires. You know, they they cut the wires when they took it out. They probably couldn't get it out. They cut the wires. And it was it was a reman it was a reman and they sent it you know it come back that way
3: yeah yeah that's so, unfortunate
1: yeah yep okay well yeah get yourself a Desert Eagle Kevin you'll need one out there <laughs> hey seriously seriously if you find one buy it I'd buy another one if I could find it hey, you know what I'm pretty, maybe we all should have
0: one. You know what I'm pretty happy with for home defense um, is my judge. Oh, absolutely. There's
1: nothing better. Yeah, yep. that's
0: uh, you. Just if you're pointing in the right direction in a house, you're probably going to hit some somebody with something. They have those. They have those uh, home defense rounds. They call them for the judge. It's a four ten yep. shotgun shell. I don't remember exactly. Yep. It's got like four plated discs that are the, the size of the 410 yes. around, and then between the discs are buckshot. They call it a home defense round. Man, does that thing yeah. tear up targets. It just <laughs> does yeah. a number
1: on the target. That's like shooting buckshot. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... Kevin, is yours black yep. or is it stainless? Uh, black. Yeah, it's a black... You know, I have a black one and, uh, do you? and two stainless and, ones. And then... Yeah. Then if I really
0: thought it were uh, – if I needed a little more firepower, I have that kel 12-gauge, the little bullpup design that holds like 17 rounds. It's got – Seven fires. or
1: eight, yeah. Holds a bunch of rounds,
0: yeah. Yeah, depending on the size of the round, <laughs> would... if you're putting a three-inch, I think you might only get 16. But then I think on a standard round, it's 17. Oh, because of the one in the chamber maybe. It's a lot. Um, I will tell you, though, that gun is good for nothing except killing somebody that's trying to get into your home. I mean, for anything else, that is heavy, it's awkward, it will pound your shoulder. I went out one day when I first bought it to try to get used to it and sight it in, and I made the mistake of using three-inch turkey shot. And after about <laughs> after about twenty rounds, I was flinching, and I, I said, "I'm just not going to pull the trigger on this thing one more time." It was
1: brutal.
4: The, tr- the trouble with the Desert Eagle shooting it is you can't
1: afford to shoot it.
0: Yeah, that too. You're right.
1: I think it's fifty, 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 or sixty dollars for you know a box of fifty. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, they, are, yeah, they <laughs> are expensive. Wow, yeah.
7: <laughs> All right.
0: Crazy stuff. Yep. All right. Thanks for the calls. Good topics today. Um, we have just a couple minutes before the top of the hour, so I might as well fill in with a couple things. things. Uh, Bruce, you know, we were talking about the news earlier and I'm really trying to ignore it. Just stay on top of the big stuff. Same thing with politics. I'm so sick of politics. Um, I got to watch just a little bit to see what's going on. One of the things that's happened in our country in the last decade is we've really divided ourselves with politics way more than ever before. And one of the things that comes up a lot, you know, we talk about celebrities, movie stars, musicians, authors, and they they tend to be creative people. They tend to be progressives. I almost never agree with their politics, but my take has always been, who cares? You know, I was when I used to play music as part of the show, people would send me messages all the time. I can't believe you're playing music from that band. They're, they're devil worshipers and they're leftists. And, and I'd think, I think, I don't really care what their politics are. I just, I can enjoy them for their talent. And the same with, you know, actors or, or whatever. I, I don't care what your politics are. <laughs> if, you're, if you're talented and I enjoy watching you, I will. Um, that actually changed yesterday. And it sucks that it's gotten this bad. One of my favorite authors of all time, I started reading his books when I was 14. I've read every book he ever wrote. And over the last decade, I kind of stopped. Stephen King. I've always known what his politics are. He's very, very left, but I didn't care because I enjoyed his books. So yesterday I'm looking for a book to read. I needed some downtime and I see he had a book out and it was written back in 21. I don't, I don't keep up with him the way that I used to, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to buy it. I haven't had a good Stephen King book in a long time. Looked like a great story, very much like all the rest of his stories, except I couldn't get through 10 pages of it the the first 10 pages were nothing but and now it's a novel so it's just the characters talking about this stuff but it was nothing but covid and trump it was awful i just i I, you know and i know people say the same thing that well they like i like listening to you about fuel mileage when you talk about politics yeah but there's a reason for me to talk about politics it affects our business. It affects almost everything we do. So, yes, I do some politics. But when I read a novel, I'm sorry. I just don't want to read all your political BS in a novel.
1: I agree. Hey, uh, when Barbara Streisand comes on to the radio. I change channels. I'll never watch anything that has Alec Baldwin in.
0: that That's how bad this has become.
1: Uh, and who's that the guy on a late night talk show who complains about the cost of um, health insurance, but he makes twenty million a year. Well, Jimmy uh, Fallon.
0: I was going to say all the late night talk show hosts are worthless, as far as that goes. And they and most of them are
2: foreign. They don't even belong in this country. Yeah, they're not from here. I could go back home.
0: Yeah, like I said, it. Yeah. You know, I used to just appreciate people for their talent, and we could just leave politics out of it. But, but it's become so embedded into everything we do. I don't know how we turn that around, but it's not good. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Um, great show today. Great topics. We'll, uh, we'll do it again next week. Thanks to the team from Pittsburgh Power, as always. If you have any other questions before next week, call them. They'll be more than happy to help you. Anything uh, anybody wants to close with? Well, if you have any farming questions, now you can call Joe dochev There you go. There you go. I like that. We have a new new resource. He sounds like a
1: good one, too. If you need his number, he's a sharp guy. If you need uh, need his phone number, I've got it. I will reach out. Or you out. just go into a catalyst dealer in the website and look under oh, yeah, there you go. Kremlin, Colorado. Yeah, I've been yeah. to Kremlin. Ten- that's right you you drove my 95 dodge to kremlin i did yes i did that was a good Mm -hmm. time
0: we had good times out there
5: yeah
0: all right we're gonna wrap it up right on time we will see you back here tomorrow for destination (laughs) health normal schedule this week except no spaces just don't have time probably no spaces till i get back from uh the nashville trip we'll see you tomorrow be safe.